achieved with CryEngine 3. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Soul Citizens. We are back again for another fun-filled week of dialogue, conversation, and good times with a great group of people. And uh, thank you guys for finding time to be with us on a Sunday evening. And uh, yeah, I want to, first of all, uh, introduce our hosts and our panel tonight. We have a very, very, very special guest who is joining us. Uh, and But I'm going to start out with our, our regular hosts here. I'm going to start from the far, my far, was it my... I'm below you now. You're below me now. So <laughs> to, the, to the far left of the screen, uh, the man himself, FC Fastcart. How are you, buddy? You can blame Popping Face for the what's up? Uh, <laughs> oh uh, my God! You just had to go back to the was that the '90s? What was the what's up thing? Was that back in the '90s? Oh my God! Oh, uh, anyway, how are you, buddy? Doing good? Um, I'm good, thank you. I'm feeling better. My throat is a little bit still raw, but I, I I'll be muting myself so I don't call on stream. But I'll be I'll be good. Okay, okay. Well, I'm glad you're doing a little bit better. I know you were kind of pushing through it on Thursday, so I'm glad to hear you're feeling a little bit better. And next to him, we have the man himself, the the man from Florida who represents uh, the, all the winning teams in the U.S. right now. Uh, the man himself, Colossal. What's up, buddy? We represent everything from sports to diseases. So oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's, good to be on. it's definitely good to be on. Hello, Soul Citizens. I am definitely happy. I didn't say this during the pre-op, uh, um, Griff, but mm -hmm. basically I'm with one of my heroes, uh, and that's Uber Nerd because he was one of the first guys that I actually started following oh. um, uh, when when I got involved with this along with Grayheaded Gamer and the rest mm -hmm. of them. So it's good to see the OGs up in here. Uber knows props, too. I didn't want to say it in the pre because I didn't want to <laughs> you know, jump on you real quick, but I, I'm just happy to be on with you, buddy. It's good to see you. And you need oh. always as well. Yeah, that's Ow. good. That's good. You know what? Every time I think about we're you. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, I don't know, Colossal. I know you're really into sports, and I always think that's the reason why you have those headphones on your ear, because those look like sportscaster headphones. Those are not like streamer headphones at all. They're, they're pretty big. You know, yeah, I know. Oh, who's who's your manufacturer on that? Who's Razor, that? buddy. Oh, Razor? Yeah. Does that look this like the, the Razors? Uh, are those the Razors? This, this, these are the Ultras. Oh, you got the nice, I was going to say, you got the ultras. nice ones. I was going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, you don't want to see mine. You don't want to see mine. Mine are all beat up. You got to prove it. Make them light up. He's got the nice ones. He's got the nice ones. Oh, man. Yeah. Because I didn't want to use energy, so I left it alone. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to skip over to the man, Unique. Our This is our man who's been around longer than anybody in the Star Citizen community amongst our team. How are you, buddy? Pretty good. How are you doing? You, Thanks for uh, having me. You sporting that serious, but you've been sporting, sporting that serious uh, RSI Star Citizen attire almost every show. You had the Chairman's Club on one week. Now you busting out with that RSI. Is that the uh, the freaking uh, Mind Layer? Chip, which no, one was that this one? This is the uh, Polaris. Oh, the Polaris shirt. Polaris. Okay, the Polaris yeah, shirt. Yeah, okay. the Polaris one, yeah. Now we're going 2016 or... Yeah, uh, 2016 when the players came out. Yeah, no, no, no. 20. I just put them yeah, on for your show. Oh, okay, well, that, well, we appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're you representing big time. And and last but not least, the man himself, the man I call the wild man of Star Citizen, multi voice, multi talented, and great personality, and a good buddy, Uber Nerd. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. AKA 
weirdo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I am the weirdest one on Twitch. I'm quite weird, and I do things that are supposedly weird. Uh, but, uh, no, what I was going to say is RSI represent, right? I have been, uh, we were yesterday uh, multi-crewing in an Andromeda, and for the first time, mm-hmm. that ship seriously packs a punch and mm-hmm. holds its own in a fight. Mm-hmm. For the first time, it, it packs a punch and holds its own in a fight in a way that it should have always, Done. but it couldn't before. Okay. So it's a, yeah. Some people might it's, be taking a second look at it, huh? Okay. Oh, man, look, it's worth it now. I mean, it's worth it being a multi-crew ship, mm-hmm. and in the way that it's configured and built, it's, wow, what a ship. Nice. All right. Well, for those oh, of you who are... Before we get going, I just, huh? just got to give a shout-out to Neutral, Poppin' Face, and Fish Face. Uh, you, you guys couldn't see, but Ubernode was jamming to, 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 to the pre-sale music before we, get, before we started. <laughs> oh, yeah, time. yeah. I was jamming out to that. Uh, <laughs> nice job on the uh, on the, uh, the, the the mixing of all of that and mm-hmm. putting it together with the tai and, uh, you know, the Banu and such. So They did a great yeah. job. They provided the opening music for both this show and our Thursday show, and they're very talented. They've been putting out some new stuff into the community and we've been really trying to be supportive of them because they're they're very talented father and son team with music production so definitely appreciate them okay we're going to jump right into it um this show this week is is called uh star citizen why so long i was sharing with uh some of the members here on the cast that this is probably one of the longest research shows i've done uh pulling information together and so our goal today is to uh we're not necessarily trying to uh justify uh, CIG's timeline, but we are trying to talk about having a greater understanding of what it means to do game development. And two of our people on our panel, uh, both UberNerd and Unique, both have backgrounds in computer development, design, work. And so the, the, the rest of us may be talking out the side of our neck, but those two guys, they actually will have something uh, to say. And uh, whether it be good, bad, or whatever the case may be. So we're happy to have them on board with us today. Um, but what we wanna do is kind of, before we get started, we want to kind of take you guys back. We opened up with the great trailer, the cinematic trailer that many of us saw back in the day, uh, really was inspired by it. Uh, it, it. Let me start with UberNerd. UberNerd, when you first saw that trailer, what was your initial impression? Do you remember what year it was? And, and how did you feel when you saw that, when they said all oh, in-engine, you know, in-game, that opening trailer we showed? So the opening trailer that we just watched, I watched that in 2012. I really mm. wanted to be involved. I wanted to actually uh, be uh, get into the verse. I remember the announcement by Chris Roberts. I think that was at uh, you know the GDC, wasn't it? Like the Game Developers mm-hmm. Conference. Mm-hmm. And I always was watching GDC because back when I lived in Taiwan, I was the I was the head or the leader of the IGDA, which is the International Game Developers Association. Mm-hmm. So I, I led that, uh, you know, that uh, association chapter in Taiwan for about five years before mm. I passed it off to an actual game developer. Nobody had started it over there, and I was like, what the heck's going on? Anyways, mm. I always followed GDC, so when I watched it and Chris Roberts made the announcement, I was, like, really excited. Mm. So when I saw that, when I, you know, when I saw that... Uh, that trailer i was yeah it was it was extraordinarily exciting mm-hmm. uh, of course i knew it was a trailer i kind i kind of know about the development uh, mm-hmm. timeline and how those things work and uh then by october when they started giving out uh timelines i i of course knew at the t- i knew there was no way that you know like mm-hmm. everybody makes so the in project management we know for a fact when you initially uh, first propose any project the two things you get absolutely wrong and in very very <laughs> wide ways is uh, cost estimates mm-hmm. and time estimates mm-hmm. those are the two things nobody ever gets right at the very beginning so and you can refine those over time but mm-hmm. at the beginning you will always be wrong mm. 
So basically, so, anyways, you're, you're. But still... I was very excited, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't invest until 2015 because of a uh, okay. a pending divorce. Okay, but you were keeping an eye on it then. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me go to Colossal. Let me ask you. I want to ask you the same question. But what were your feelings after you saw that that particular video, Colossal? I don't know what year it was. You saw it, whether it was at the beginning or somewhere in the middle. But what was your reaction to it as a game player? It was 2012 because I know exactly where I was. I'm ashamed of myself. I was at a national conference, a state conference. <laughs> okay. I was at a state conference and we were supposed to be doing some work and I had my phone in front of me and the work I was doing was looking at a new video. Okay. So, um, so, but other than that, um, I was really, uh, I was really surprised. And I remember contacting my brother, uh, as soon as we got back from the state conference, I was like, you really need to look at this. You really need to look at that. That was one of the videos that really basically you know, put me on, on, on pause with everything else. And it was like, okay, I'm really going to watch this game because I see some things here that really look impressive. Mm. So, which was a gameplay moment for what I saw here. And in, in, in this case, I'm not really gameplay, but a cinematic um, trailer of it. Mm. But uh, yeah, this, this really impressed me. I was at all, but I was at a state conference. Glad that I was able to go ahead and dive into this. So my involvement really started around this time. Okay. You were early too. Okay. Unique. What about you? Uh, I think I saw some stuff a little bit earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And I was getting on a cruise with my kids, our first cruise together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I got to look more into that when I get back. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it was instant. Like I knew I was going to just open my wallet and start making it rain. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Okay. FC, what about you? We saw it in October 2012, but I didn't back until 2014. But um, I was I was looking at it as like a Kickstarter. It was back back when you know before Kickstarter really took off and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like Kickstarter. Uh, I'll wait a while and, and, and come back to it. And, yeah. and I regret it ever ever since. But, yeah. You know, I saw it. I saw it But the, the the thing that caught my eye at, at the end, just watching it t- today, is that it said Quiet Engine Three at the end. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I think. You know, Crytek may be able to shoot them over there. What do you think? Now, now because it was. No. That was CryEngine back then, CryEngine 3. I don't think they're going to get away with a lawsuit at this point. I think they've been down that road, too, by the way. So I don't think that's going to happen yeah, anytime that, soon, that, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Okay, so we're going to go and take a look at the pitch video real quick. This is a very short video, but this is Chris Roberts. And some of you guys have seen this, too. It's a little bit of clips from the video we just saw. But we want you guys to hear the original pitch. Some of you may have never heard it before. Once you hear what was originally pitched in relation to Star Citizen and Squadron 42, and then we're gonna come back and talk about it. Let's take a look.
Hi, I'm Chris Roberts. Ever since I saw Star Wars as a wide-eyed eight-year-old, I dreamt of being a hotshot pilot saving the galaxy or a lovable rogue making my way across the cosmos. It inspired me to make Wing Commander and has influenced everything I've done since then. Ten years ago, after 20 years of making games, I was burned out so I took a break. But I never stopped playing games nor loving them. And now, I'm ready to come back. And I'd like to show you something I've been working on. But I don't want to build any old game. I want to build a universe. I want to build a game I always wanted to build, but I didn't have the tools to do until now. One that you can fly off a carrier fighting a heroic war on the front lines, but also one that you can muster out and find your own fortune in the stars wherever your spaceship takes you. I want to be able to share this experience with my friends and fight against real opponents in space, not just AI. And I want this to be as good or better than any other game out there. And I want to actively push the boundaries of what you can do in a game. None of this would have been even possible two years ago. But with Moore's Law driving PC performance and cost and the gaming community embracing talented developers via crowdfunding, I believe it is possible today. I've never been accused of having a small vision. And so I thought it was best if I share my ambition with you visually. I'm pretty excited by how it's joined out. So why don't you come join me for a sneak peek? The king of the genuflect. What I'm building, yeah, the Star Citizen Squadron 42 combination, you essentially have both things available to you. So Squadron 42 is the sort of single player experience where you are getting missions. You're in the military, so you know it's not that open world because you're going to be going AWOL if you decide you want to go off to some other planet. So the idea of it is you, you, you serve a campaign, you fly missions, it's branching just like Wing Commander was, and you have exactly that Wing Commander experience with the added bonus of the multiplayer and your friends be able to sort of co-op play with you as wingmen when you fly your missions. But when you finish your tour of duty, you muster Paradise. out and you're in the wide universe and then it's open world. No gray you where you want, do what you want, choose who you want to be. And the other thing that's nice about yeah, this is you don't have to do Squadron 42. You can get into the star unit. You can basically decide you're never going to go fight in the military. You can decide that I'm just going to be a merchant or I'm just going to be a pirate. I think what we're talking about here has everything that made Wing Commander great and has everything that made Privateer and Freelancer great. It's, it basically has both things and the single player sort of military campaign side sits inside this whole universe in a holistic fashion. The idea is that it should be dynamic. So I've talked about a sort of the universe being a living entity and something that's always changing and it's going to change based on the player's actions. So things that players do will have an effect on the universe and they'll also be able to become part of the universe. So a good example is say a player that's an explorer and they explore around enough time and they find a space anomaly and then they manage to navigate a jump. That jump point and the system they've jumped into will get named after that player so like that player becomes part of the history and lore of the universe and on top of that you know we're going to be dynamically adding content to these universe i'm not interested in having yearly updates we'll have a team of people that are adding content on a weekly uh, you know every two weeks basis so you're starting this system and you start in the game and it's got 50 star systems for instance and you know uh two weeks in a jump point's discovered for another system and someone navigates it and bam, we've got a 51st system and so on. So one thing I think you'll all be very excited about is the level of fidelity in space, the graphical detail and the immersion because it's to a level that I've never been able to achieve before. I'm trying to build a world that's Chris so detailed and has such great texture that you forget that it's a game, which is always my goal when I'm building games. Disliked uh, by hamburgers everywhere. The, uh, cockpit of the fighter? 
And as you can see, as we're sort of climbing in, there's a huge amount of detail in the cockpit because one of the biggest keys for me in, in the next game I'm building is I really want to have that immersion to be complete. And we're going to do a lot of things that will really push that. Everything inside the cockpit operates and moves and works. If I look around the cockpit, you can see uh, the displays, my hands on the throttle, my hands on the joystick. The whole idea is we're immersed fully in a cockpit that's fully rendered in 3D. So if you issue a command, you hit a button, you'll actually see your character doing the cockpit. It's all for the immersion. Well, I think immersion is really important for me because I think that you have to really visualize and create a very believable world. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I always sort of really push the visual fidelity is because I think that helps with the immersiveness. And the more immersive, the more connected you are to the experience, the more connected you are to the experience, I think the more fun the game itself will be. So uh, an example of that is if we're looking around at our character, we can see that you know, the character himself is you know, about 100,000 faces, which is about 10 times the detail of most uh, current day uh, AAA games are about 10,000 faces or so. And so that just allows you to have a little extra detail. The, the wires on his, his uh, on his pilot outfit, the creases in the uniform, uh, and have it really stand up when you come in close and, and not... Uh, yeah, he's got that joystick in his hand. I've got a pad in his hand. I want that. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the physics, and they're going to be a strong part of the gameplay. So let me demonstrate uh, some of the features of how the physics interacts with how you control. The ship itself is built and designed and simulated like a real ship. So Some people might call that gamepad blasphemy. Um, four thrusters on the top, <laughs> and of course there's obviously the engine at the back. Most of the ships in this universe are going to fly very much like an F-35 would do. They're fly-by-wire, so they take your input as a pilot and crunch it into trajectories and vectors it needs to tell the various thrusters to achieve um, what you've asked it to do. So if I want to rotate, or I want to say if I want to pitch, like I'm doing now, or I'm going to yaw, or I'm going to roll. It actually pulls the thrusters themselves and says, how quickly can you rotate to the position I need you to deliver thrust, and how much thrust can you deliver? And the thrusters talk back to the flight computer and says, okay, I can get you there in 0.1 of a millisecond, and I give you this much thrust. The whole system is dynamically doing that every single frame and uh, flying that way. It's really cool because what happens is a lot of unexpected or dynamic behavior happens by it. And then, for instance, if we're flying around in a dogfight, one of our thrusters gets damaged, it will affect our maneuverability. And it's not a matter of changing a script or data, it's actually all dynamically simulated in the system. But here's a really great example of the level of scale. I'm going to walk out this corridor and out onto the flight deck. And as you can see, it's huge. Uh, the carrier uh, that's in the prototype level is about a kilometer in size. It's full of uh, activity and spaceships and people. So one of the things that I'm the most excited by the, uh, the, the technology we've been working on is the ability to scale. So we have detail for scale at a human level. So our, our character is about 1.8 meters in size. Uh, then the same level of detail for a fighter. AR Vampire, thank you so much for the resub. 1979, thank you, and Fistaface, thank you all for your subs. I'm building a game in a universe that's essentially the universe in the game I would like to play. So it's for gamers like myself. So I wouldn't say that I'm a social, casual gamer that plays Farmville. I mean, I like sophisticated experiences. Well, I'm picking PC over console because PC was what I always used to do in the past, but more importantly, it's because PC's an open platform, PC's always constantly innovating. I really care about the PC. I really want to push the PC. I think it's a great game platform. I'm really actually 
quite Matt Styles, thank you for the five subs. You guys give uh, Matt Styles like some love for hooking PC you up today. Thank you, Matt Styles. Don't get any respect. It's the medium that is the coolest and the most powerful, and that's really why I'm focused on. Zaylin, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the resub. And Talania, thank you for the follow. Thank you. It can get sold in the ship dealers on certain planets, and you know maybe the person that built that spaceship will be earning money from other players that think that spaceship's cool and want to pay them for it. So one of the things that I like about crowdfunding is cutting out the politics and uh, and the, the noise of the, the big publisher and you're that old dealing website. directly with the people that yeah. want to... So this is what I remember his making. this announcement. So one of my main goals whenever I make a game is to really immerse you in the world and universe. And I think you've seen that on what we've been even trying on the website today and this visual prototype is a demonstration of the direction that I want to take and will be taking. With today's technology, I can do that to a level that I never could have done uh, when I was making Wing Commander all those years ago, or even Freelancer um, 10 years ago. And Thank you, Gigi, for the resubscription. Thank you, thank you. I'm in it, and that is my dream. My name is Chris Roberts, and I would like to build a universe with Chris Roberts. <laughs> Awesome sauce. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the subscriptions, everybody, and the follows that we got. We appreciate that. You guys have kicked us off with 10 for the very start of the month. Awesome. Um, I'm going to kind of move on beyond that and go to our question. We want to give you guys some background, right? We wanted you all to see the first cinematic. We wanted you to hear from Chris Roberts himself, uh, what he was pitching for the game back then. I'm going to go through the panel real quick. This, you don't have to think about this much. I'm going to put some qualifiers on this question. Don't include Squadron 42. Don't include the 100 systems. If you were to say, based on that pitch that Chris Roberts gave, how much do you think we're on point with what he shared? I'm going to start out with Fast Cart first. What percent? 80%. From what? 80% roughly? Okay. Yeah, maybe 85, 80%. Okay. Colossal? I mean, I would say about maybe, uh, you know, somewhere between 70 to 80%. Okay. Okay. Uber nerd. So, uh, because because uh, my expectations based on his announcement at that point, mm -hmm. uh, I'd say we're closer to like ninety five percent of what he was talking about there. Because there's so much more that has now been included mm. that was never even. I didn't even I didn't even assume that we would have planets you could land anywhere yeah. on. I think that's you yeah. know that that gives percentages that takes it beyond his original promises. Mm -hmm. To to a point that, yet yeah, now we're re, you know we're experiencing it. But yeah, I, I'm looking at 95 percent of what he was saying. Of the pitch. But I think okay. we're not 95 percent of the way there. If that makes sense, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely, yeah, so. unique. What about you? Uh, I'm more with UberNerd. I think like is the software there? No, mm -hmm. but I think we are a hundred percent on with what Chris Roberts says. And I'd like to point out. Remember the sentence. I want to update new content weekly or bi-weekly, basically, mm -hmm. once or every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing that in the missions and stuff. So when you're going to that level and you're always getting new content, not once every six months, not once or a DLC. year, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that takes a lot more effort to put in the foundation of your system because it's got to be there. And I think you're starting to see that. And that's where mm -hmm. that dynamicness and the loot boxes and stuff mm -hmm. are coming. Mm -hmm. But and also look at the... Great. Mm -hmm. The reveal of 
what's going on on the back end, the stuff that Sean Tracy or Tony Zerovic or Todd Pappy or any of these guys will tell us, they'll give us a vision or a view into all this stuff they're working on and saying, we, we know you're, you know, you're frustrated that it's not here yet, but look at what we're making and this is why. Mm -hmm. And so I, that, that's kind of why I think we're more like 95% mm -hmm. of what he was promising back then, possibly even like uh, Unique said, 100% yeah. of what he was promising but only maybe 80% of what we expect for a finished product, if that right. I mean, In addition to that, I mean, there's a lot of things that Chris, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 I was gonna show something and come to you. So let me, let no me show you what I'm gonna show you and then you go ahead and make a comment because the question is probably gonna tie into something what you're gonna say. This right. is the visual I wanna give you, okay? Over the years, this is what we've seen, right? Um, you know, both from, you know, uh, people from YouTube who create stuff to industry magazines, this constant questioning, you know, over time, you know, is, is Star Citizen in trouble? Is it a scam? Uh, you'll never see it. Uh, I'm, I'm refunding. Uh, is, 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 are they progressing enough? All these different things you see. A colossal, the question I was going to ask you is, do you think, because I want to write on what Uberner said, do you think that because there's a disconnect that people don't understand, and I'm, and Unique kind of alluded to this, the back end work and what what type of progress that means because they don't see that progress in their hands that they think that things aren't moving. Where like Ubernerd saying, if you look at the back end, look at all the stuff they're doing. You know, uh, Unique said, look at the groundwork they've laid down so that they can be able to weekly or monthly add stuff. Do you think that because we don't see that stuff or don't understand that stuff that that's why maybe people think that you know what's taking so long? I think it's both. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I think, but I also think it's in addition to if people paid attention to that video right there, they would stop asking these stupid questions on why is that, why it's taking too long. Mm -hmm. If they paid attention to the video, one thing that we know of that tends to come in and mess up everything is publishers. Mm -hmm. We've seen that in multiple games. And Chris <laughs> Roberts has said that I want this to be a crowdfunded game because just listen to that clip mm -hmm. and it'll stop half of these people from asking the same stupid questions on why it's taking too long. Mm -hmm. And, and 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 why people are invested in it. There are a lot, uh, everybody here has invested in this game. I, I won't say invest or at least poured money into this game because we see or at least acknowledges his vision. Mm -hmm. So and we want exactly question, what he wants. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could always ask yourself, uh, how many times have we heard, this is the Star Citizen killer. When this one is done and it comes out, that's it. The game comes out, Everybody throws a fit. Everybody's uh, dissatisfied with, with what we get, but nobody goes, oh, now I understand why Star Citizen is taking so long. I mean, we're, we're on, what, uh, number five so far, mm -hmm. I think? I mean, I can name a couple right off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. No Man's Sky, people mm -hmm. threw a fit, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you had uh, Elite Dangerous, mm -hmm. uh, people threw a fit. I mean, people love it, mm -hmm. but it wasn't anywhere what they originally promised, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and even when we got Odyssey, well, mm -hmm. still not what they promised or what people envisioned, right? right so right. it's like one game after another. Oh, oh, well, how about uh, Anthem? Andromeda. Anthem. Yeah, Andromeda, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, all of these things that keep, you know, like you, the, the trailers you see are magnificent. Mm -hmm. The game that comes out is like melted butter on a sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then let's go to the, let's go to the creme de la creme, Cyberpunk. 
So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things that we've seen so far that even uh, it got New World, the game that's out right now in closed beta, it got them to pull back the game for a full year, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For a full year because they were not satisfied or finished. So it, the, the point that I was trying to get at was that, yes, it, it, it can involve both with people having a lack of understanding how developing works mm -hmm. and that this is, you know, kind of a, it's a crowdfunded game to where Chris Roberts doesn't have to worry about the stressors that publishers will put out saying, okay, we see you want 10,000 things. We're going to take out uh, a, a 900 of these things and, 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 and you can only work on these things here. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. And that's why games come out incomplete or just half-ass. Mm -hmm. So he's got the opportunity to go ahead and bring us the game that he wants and bring us the game that we're all satisfied with. And if you want to, and I just love when people say, well, the game's not finished or the game's not ready uh, or the game's unplayable. You can play it right now. The ED players, people will tell you, they are the best examples of what they missed during this whole time period. And it's probably the right time for them to come in the game because it's, yeah. it's they're, they're seeing what the game can do. And it's quite satisfying to see that. Okay. Fast card. Let me ask you this question. Um, and this is just your from your perspective. When you heard about Star Citizen, when you heard about Squadron Forty Two, in your head, what was a timeline or time frame that you were thinking it'll probably come out in blah 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 blah? If you can either say what year or years, what what would you have said? You know, when you signed up, what did you think it would? Or you got better understanding? Okay, in twenty twelve, I would have thought, you know, I, I, I would have, I would have taken for the word twenty twelve or twenty fourteen. Okay. And when I signed up for twenty fourteen, I would have said maybe twenty seventeen, maybe twenty eighteen. I, I would, I, I, I was underestimating the, the, the amount of effort, the uh, amount of, um, yeah, the amount of effort that would need to be put, put, in, put into this into this game. So yeah, twenty eighteen, I would say back in 2014 okay. when I found out. Okay. Colossal, what about you when you got in? What was your estimate when you were looking forward to playing Squadron 42 or Star Citizen? Uh, I was actually looking forward to playing Squadron 42, honestly, by 216. Okay. And um, and I was, and be, you remember it was pre-COVID. Remember when we, when we had this conversation, I was like, it looks like, don't be surprised if E3, I believe it was 2018 when I said it. So I believe E3 2019, mm -hmm. they might give a date. And then COVID hit around March mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just threw everything a loop. But, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was about 20, I would say about 2016. That you were looking when for When I was it. looking for that. Okay. Ubernerd, how about you? Well, so when I originally followed, I saw there, uh, you know, when, when finally they started giving some dates and some real, you know, and I think that was what, October, right? So mm -hmm. the original announcement was GDC in March or something like that. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the exact date. But then when they started, you know, when the Kickstarter page went up, I went out there and I saw the dates of what, I think it was 2014 or something like that. Uh, was the original stuff, and I just chuckled to myself. I'm like, going, oh yeah, that's uh, you know, like uh, rookie mistake right there, <laughs> because like I said, when you're initially doing a uh, project, the two things that people always get wrong, and I guarantee it, this is a hundred percent of the time, the two things that people always get done are wrong completely, and mostly the time is way off, is uh, cost estimates. Mm -hmm and time estimates people mm -hmm. you know like and, and even the best project managers mm -hmm. when you're pro when you're when you are creating something that's never been done before you can't give you can't give a realistic or reliable time estimate i mean one thing before i uh, pass this on to the to, to unique is if you look at um uh, spacex when will starship fly mm. 
Like they, they keep giving estimates, mm -hmm. but they're always wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got all this experience flying uh, uh, the Falcon 9. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, you know, landing the Falcon 9 damn near uh, 90 times. And yet still they can't make a good estimate. They've yeah. got all this past data to mm -hmm. like crunch and give estimates, but they can't. And why is that? Because they're building into the unknown. And that's mm -hmm. what Star Citizen, that's what CIG are doing. They are building into the unknown of mm -hmm. software. Building into the unknown means that estimates are just gonna fly out the window because you just don't know what roadblocks you're gonna meet when you're trying to code something and you come to this thing, oh my God, okay. All that code that we just were writing for two and a half months, yeah, a lot of it's not going to be useful because we have to go this completely different, different way. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know. I love so. that. I love that phrase building into the unknown. That's a really kind of cool way of describing what Chris is doing in his vision. Cause we are used to people building into the known <laughs> more than well, the unknown. Let me give oh, a shout out let me, you let me, to make a website. Let me give a shout out real quick to Kimmy. You can give a time estimate. Yeah, let me give a quick shout out to Kimmy. Thank you, Kimmy, for the for the uh, raid uh, with 19. Thank you. We appreciate it. All the folks coming over from Kimmy, thanks for joining us tonight. Go ahead, Uber nerd. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just saying, if somebody asked you to build, give me a time estimate on how long it would take you to make a website. Mm -hmm. You can give you can a do that. relatively accurate, uh, mm -hmm. because it's building into the known. You're mm -hmm. building into something you already know. Right. Right. Mm. You know, if somebody said, hey, give me a, you know, give me a time estimate to make a, um, you know, um, a Minecraft clone. Mm -hmm. But but instead of instead of just blocks, it's, uh, you know, and, and uh, pigs and stuff like that, it's dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Well, you can give a time estimate because it's known all right. the stuff that goes into that and the code and everything. It's known. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's the stuff when you're programming programming into areas that have never been done before. Our new frontiers. Yeah. Good point. That you just don't know. Good point. Unique, how about you? When the, um, go ahead. What was your estimate back when you first got in this? Because you got in at the beginning, too. Yeah, well, at first it was only Squadron 42. Right. And then, uh, so I, I was looking maybe, you know, at the latest 2020, mm -hmm. um, but felt more like 2018. Mm -hmm. But as the time rolled through, getting into 2015, and they started expanding and voting and uh, making the game more dynamic, and then two games, and it was like, yeah, we're just gonna get it when we get it. I mm -hmm. don't have any kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Time frame, basically. Yeah. yeah. And you got to remember too. I mean, think about it. What do you think in this game is? the end what's done mm -hmm. you got to know that it's not done mm -hmm. they will always keep adding things mm -hmm. so there's just got to be a point where all the systems work mm -hmm. like the mission giving and you know uh completing a mission or failing a mission and all those working things that mm -hmm. have to work across the board mm -hmm. but because they're adding content all the time it's never actually finished so right. when, what is that line in the sand that says we're a game now yeah that's a good point uh, for me, I would say uh, when I got in, I started following in early 2013. I think I either signed up at the end of 2013 or 14. I never really thought about when the game would be done. I remember hearing predictions of 2014, 15, but I didn't swallow that at the time because I kind of said, wow, it's a lot that they're trying to do because I really didn't know when it really started, started. You know, I knew about the announcement, but that didn't mean it started in 2012. So I actually, the only thing I looked forward to was 2016 when they were supposed to do the vertical slice. That was the one thing that I was hoping we'd finally get to see. And, and at that, they would tell us it's going to be coming out in 2017, 18. But of course, we know 2016 came and went. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I never really did. As far as Star Citizen, the universe goes, I've always kind of said, I said 10 years at least. So I, I was shooting for, you know, 2022, 2023. 
to be honest with you, when we would actually, I'm talking about when, when it was beyond alpha and beta, but that we were actually, it's functioning like Eve or whatever the case may be. Okay, so they give us some, you guys give us some really good stuff. Let's take a quick look at two videos. These are fairly short. I'm asking that you guys would bear with us because one of the things that I, I've observed over the years is that a lot of us are armchair developers, right? Uh, <laughs> we've, we've either learned about development as we've been a part of this particular project or maybe just from gaming in general, uh, but I decided to pull two videos. The first video is going to be from a, a game developer who's independent, doing his own game. And he talks about what it takes for him to make this game. And I really want you to pay attention to when he shows how he comes up with his timeline, because Uber Nerd hits on some really valid points with this. And then the second video we're going to look at is a guy talking about doing it from a triple A game standpoint. So let's take a quick look at those, okay? How long does it take to make a game? For most commercial games, the time lies somewhere between 2 and 4 years, but everything between 10 minutes and 10 years is entirely possible. And it's also almost definitely gonna take way longer than you think. In this video I want to help you make an educated guess on how long it will take you to create your game, and I'll do the same for my own indie game project, Will You Snail. Oh jeez, you're making progress. So why does making a game almost always take way longer than you think? I want you to picture your game as a square. The surface area of that square is the work you need to get done in order to finish it. On the x-axis is all of the content you have to produce for your game, and on the y-axis is the quality and the polishing of that content. Now here is the fallacy a lot of us fall into. Let's assume 50% of your content is done, and it's at 50% of the polishing you want to have for your final game. How much percent of your game have you already completed? Intuitively it feels like 50%. But with this visualization we obviously know that's not true, because it's only 25%. This fallacy is even more dangerous when you just got started. Maybe you think, wow, this is going really quickly, I already have 10% completed. But yeah, it's only 1%. Now I want you to imagine your game is a giant pyramid, because, ah, you thought this was everything? No, it gets worse. Building the first layer of a pyramid is easy. You just put the bricks next to each other on the ground. Now the problem is, the higher your pyramid gets, the harder it is to get those blocks up there. And in game development that is the equivalent to your project gets bigger, clunkier, it's harder to find stuff, load and compile times increase, testing your game takes longer, fixing bugs takes longer, even implementing new code takes way longer. So this is probably not even 25%, this is probably 20%. Now last but not least, making a game is also like biking through a valley. You start out super motivated and it's a downhill battle, but sooner or later you'll run out of steam. All of the fun tasks in your project will already be gone, so all that's left to do is tedious and annoying stuff you don't want to do. You're starting to get burned out, and obviously your mental state heavily influences your rate of progression. You will need more breaks, you will get distracted more easily, and just in general it consumes a lot of willpower because you have to fight the urge to stop and turn around. Considering your motivation levels, 20% is more like 15. Ah, oh, you think we can get this number even lower? I mean, sure, we haven't even talked about feature creep yet. Because guess what? Your square magically keeps expanding while you're trying to fill it up. Oh, and did I already mention there might be a broken brick in the very first layer of your pyramid? And in order to replace it, you need to pull everything down again? Also remember that real life gets in the way when you least expect it. For example, your hard drive could crash or you could break your arm. So all of that is why it will take a lot longer than you think. So how long will it take you to make a game? There are a lot of factors, but undoubtedly the most important ones are the size of your project and the size of your team. 
Filling a giant square alone can take 5 years or more. Filling a small square together can be done in 3 months or less. If you want to finish your game in a reasonable amount of time, you either need a small square or a big team. But is your square small enough or is it already too big? I'd say let's just run the math. Here you can see I just made a giant list with all of the tasks I still need to get done. It's quite a lot. And then next to it is an estimation of how many hours I think that task will take. So for example, writing the menu system, I think that will take me four hours. So you're basically measuring the size of your square and the further you are into development, the more precise your estimation is going to be. So if you want to make a really good assumption of how long it will take you to create a game, I recommend creating a vertical slice. That means you only produce a tiny fraction of your content, but you get it up to 100% of the polish. Alright, try to give me a challenge, will you? There's only one level in Will You Snail so far, but it is already very polished and it will almost look identical in the final game. The advantage of that workflow is that now I know how long it takes me to get the content to the quality level I want, and I can make a good, educated guess on how long it will take me to finish the rest of the game. And then I add all of that up, here I have different categories, for example here finishing the vertical slice, all of that I think will be about 130 hours if I add up all of the tasks. Then here are the regular levels. These times here are per level and then I multiply that by 20 because I want to have about 20 of these levels that equals 300, about 380 hours. When you make these estimates remember that everything will take a lot longer than you think. And then here I have just a bunch of extra time for stuff like marketing, for composing the music, some extra time for the boss battle, some extra time for easter eggs, some extra time for polishing. You really want to cover everything here. And then here is the grand total. So if we add up all of those tasks above, we get a grand total of 1100 hours. But even if you made quite a generous guess, you shouldn't stop there. Depending on your experience in game development, you should add another buffer somewhere between 20 and 100%. That's simply due to the fact that when you're making a game for the first time, there will be a lot of things you'll forget in your calculation. But even with a lot of experience, you almost always need that extra 20%. If we add 20%, that's 1320 hours. How many hours per week can I work on this project? For me, that's 20 hours because the other 20 hours is spent on YouTube and community management. So if I take no holidays, no vacation, finishing this project will take me 66 weeks. So obviously we should add some vacation time as well. Once again, be quite generous with that because finishing your project faster than expected is not a big deal. But if it's the other way around, that could potentially mean your game will never see the day of light. We end up at almost two years. That's a little longer than I would have hoped, but I guess um, two years to finish Will You Snail sounds about realistic. So here comes the time to make a very tough call. Because now you need to decide, are you willing to invest that amount of time? Do you believe in your project? Do you trust it? Most of you know my situation. I recently quit my studies, now I live at home with my dad. So there is a time window now where I can try to make this game development and YouTube thing work. And I'm kind of confident, but two years? That means this game might very well be the only chance I get. Now the last and maybe most important tip I have for you is be a little smart about how you approach things. For example, just start filling out a very small square. 
your minimum viable product. If it's well received, you can still turn it into a bigger game. If you start with a big square, just make sure you have some opportunities to scale down if necessary. For Will You Snail, I already have a couple of ideas what I would cut from the game if I wanted to reduce the scope. If I wanted to, I could turn this two-year project into a three-month project at any time, and I think that makes it a lot less scary. Now, will I commit? And how will this project continue? Okay, I want to reference uh, Unique First in UberNerd on this particular one. What did you guys think of what he was sharing as far as an independent guy working out of his house doing his own thing? Well, he was young and he basically missed the real idea. When the young developers tell me their time frame, I always add 100% and then I add 20% because they don't have a clue about sick leave and vacation mm. and holidays, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then 100% that I add on right off the bat is simply because they are just wrong. Mm. Okay. They don't know how long it takes to do stuff and test it and send it back when you don't find the testing. Mm -hmm. Uh, reintegration, especially if you have multiple developers. Mm -hmm. Now he's probably on his own. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you build things in layers, mm -hmm. you have to retest with all your layers. If you find a bug at one of the lower layers, then that requires you to retest every layer going back up as you modify it to fit and work with the layers. It's it just gets longer and longer. The time. This is more time. Okay. Yeah. Ubernerd, what about you? Yeah, I, and and uh, there is the you know like sick leave. I had pointed out that mm -hmm. he didn't even mention getting sick. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so and that could happen two to three times a year. Um, you know, you, you know, you could lose an entire week because you're so sick. You got the flu or something. This happens, uh, or or not just you being sick. What mm -hmm. happens if his dad gets sick? Mm -hmm. Is he going to lose time? And when his dad gets sick, mm -hmm. right? I, I, you know, family members get sick. Mm -hmm. You get sick. Um, it's, I mean, there's, yeah, pets get sick. There's life. all kinds of stuff, mm -hmm. but that's just one. So he, he did say about life, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that what you, you underestimate how much life will, it will in, in, uh, interject itself. But mm -hmm. aside from that, he was programming a relatively look, looked to me, looked to be like a relatively simple thing. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, depending on how many layers would get into this, mm -hmm. that uh, sometimes you could go, you could start thinking, okay, I know exactly what I need to do for this to work. And you could program all the way down. It could be a three-month excursion into just finalizing this code only to realize, oh, none of that's going to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you have to throw the entire thing out. out. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that happens. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I've done it. Definitely. Oh, wow. <laughs> Johan, thank you so much. And thanks for joining us. That's all you said you normally listen to us and you finally got a chance to tune in. So thanks for hanging out with us. Inspector326, thank you for the follow as well. Let's look at the second video and then I'll get feedback from Colossal and, and Fastcard on this one. We're going to talk about what it takes to create a video game from scratch, which can be a very challenging process. Of course, not all games are created equal because there are two main types of games indie video games and AAA video games. We're going to see what it takes to create a successful video game from scratch from both perspectives just to get a clear idea. Number one, it takes a team. The most important element of creating a video game is having a team of skilled artists and developers that have experience and the ability to do their job efficiently. 
Probably the size of the team is the most and the main difference between indie game development and AAA game development and they are truly different in many ways. An indie development team can be from 5 to 30 developers and usually are generalists, meaning each developer can work on multiple aspects and parts of the game and they can switch tasks freely and they can replace each other if necessary because basically their knowledge and experience usually covers the whole process and workflow for creating an indie game. On the other hand, the AAA Game Studio have a workforce behind their game development and they have teams specialized in a certain aspect of game development. So AAA game developers are specialized contrary to indie game developers. Their jobs vary from concept artists, character artists, animators, environment artists, level designers, and so on. A large game development studio usually have hundreds of artists and developers and every one of them is responsible for a small part of the video game but they are very focused on it to generate an exceptionally good result especially with the fast growth and competition of the game industry market. Number two, it takes money. Of course artists need to be paid in order to do their job. The average salary of a video game developer is between $50,000 to $100,000 a year which is not a lot of money compared to the difficulty of their jobs and the long hours they have to work on the game and they spend developing these massive and highly sophisticated video games. The cost of paying hundreds of artists and developers can add up to millions of dollars that is why large video game companies try to stick to their successful video games and create more sequels simply because there is a ton of cash on balance and they have to make return on investment otherwise they are going to take massive losses. Indie game developers get paid differently if they are a group of friends that have worked in the industry and they wanted to create an indie game, they will most likely not get paid until the launch day. This means usually they lose a lot of money throughout the game development. If the indie team is bigger and they hire artists than the artists that are hired, they're gonna get paid accordingly. Software is another cost of game development because studios need to pay for licenses and subscriptions for their staff in order to do their job. Indie game developers have the option to use a free software which is possible these days uh, with Unity and Unreal game engines being free to use. Also high-end 3D software such as Blender which is totally free to use for game developers especially for indie game developers who use it all the time. Hardware is also part of what is needed to create a video game. Usually a good computer for game development will cost at least one or two thousand dollars. For indie game developers this is not a problem, but for AAA game companies this can add up to millions of dollars. Number three, it takes time. Time is a crucial factor in game development because the more time spent working on the game, the more money is spent. Game artists and developers will have to do their job faster and under pressure because they have to meet deadlines. The average AAA game development will take from 1 to 3 years with the length of the game being a determining factor. Some games however took an exceptionally longer time to develop like Lanoir 7 years from 2004 to 2011, to Human 9 years from 1999 to 2008, Prey 11 years from 1995 to 2006, Diablo 3 11 years from 2001 till 2012. An average indie video game will take between 6 months to 2 years depending on how good they want it to be also depending on how good they want it to be also the time spent on it and the budget as well and also the size of the team is a determining factor.
I hope you liked this video and got a clear idea about what it takes to create a video game, whether it be indie or a triple A video game. You can share with us your thoughts in the comment section below and also you can check some of our previous videos. Thank you very much and I will see you in the next one. Okay. Um, let me show you guys a list of here, some of the games he mentioned, uh, L.A. Noir. But these are some of the games that we, some of us know about, some of us may not know about. But this was the development time on uh, many of these games. Uh, some of these games were from companies that already had their own engines already in place. Uh, L.A. Noir, as you guys know, that's with, um, um, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart here. <laughs> L.A. Noir is with Rockstar. <sighs> I think about it for a moment. With Rockstar. And you guys know that Rockstar has definitely uh, been building on their engine and improving it over the years. Uh, is I mean, is, does this justify when you guys see these game names? Uh, and I'll go to Colossal first on this one. Uh, does this kind of bring some point to you in the sense of how long it takes to make a game, especially a game like Uber Nerd said, that's building into the unknown, you know, doing things that maybe have never been done before? Um, you know, I'm, I'm just showing you that list right there. Do any of those, does that kind of bring it all together for you or? Does it help justify it, or what's your well, thoughts on it? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe for, I mean, maybe for other people, I've already had justification. Considering the fact that I see it similar to education, mm -hmm. when you're in elementary, you know, you got pretty much a lot of teachers. Uh, you, your specialties won't come around until you're in fourth or fifth grade or things like that. But other mm -hmm. than that, you pretty much get the first, second, third kindergartens, and yes, they have certain specific standards. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty much all the same. When you get to the when you get to the secondaries, that's when things get specialized. You have a social studies teacher, you have a science teacher, you mm -hmm. have a math teacher, you have things like that. So you're talking about bigger business. Uh, you're talking about the AAA games when they're talking about we got more people who are usually specialized. You miss any one of those people. Anybody gets sick, mm -hmm. anybody's out because of whatever reason, finances, whatever. Mm -hmm. Now you got to replace them with somebody else who may not know anything, or they got to pick up pick up the pieces and may not know what pieces <laughs> they're picking up. Mm -hmm. So that in in that retrospect, it it, it it's there's a close relation to that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm going to yield. I'm going to always yield to Uber Nerd and Unique because they know more about this than I do. But I, I, based off of what I do professionally, I pretty much had an appreciation of, of what mm -hmm. this field does because I have to teach that to my kids and let them know that and things like that and so forth. Okay. Best card, I know you're a big fan of the Final Fantasy uh, franchise. And, and, and you've, I, I, you know, I've talked about it before. I've not really played that, but I know it's a very involved, story-driven kind of franchise. Uh, does this kind of make sense to you when you see Final Fantasy 15, 10 years in development? Uh, you're playing the new, yeah. the new one that just came out, in fact, not too long ago. I don't know how long that was in development. But what are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, the newest one was 15. The, um, oh, that's 14. 15. Came, yeah, 14 came out in 2014, the Realm Reborn. But yeah, there, I, I followed the development of uh, 15 because I remember when, when it was, it, was, it had it gone through like two or three name changes, or at least mm -hmm. two name changes. Because before it was uh, Final Fantasy 15, it was Final Fantasy Versus. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I I I remember at different point during the year, um, the, the, during the development of fifteen, they, they um they they would they would post like a, a minor update or a different update of what's going on, or maybe we would um we would take what they they give us and mm -hmm. and, and apply it to what we know so like okay so this game used to be called this but mm -hmm. it's the same game it's just d d 
because you call it something different now. Mm. So yeah, it, it, it does make, make a lot of sense to me. Okay. Then it, well, one thing about the video, I, I, um, you said one thousand dollars for a computer. That definitely. No, he said two. He said two thousand. Oh, he said two. Oh, he mm -hmm. said okay. Two thousand dollars for one for one person. He was saying for an independent person, it's not that bad. But if it becomes a company, he was saying it could run into millions of dollars. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I want to add yeah. insult to injury on that one. Duke Nukem took fifteen. Duke Nukem Forever took fifteen. Years. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't yeah. put that one down because you, you, we already know about Duke Nukem Forever, right? <laughs> I even forever, know, but, but you're right. It is. It is the. It is the longest reigning one out of all of them for fifteen years of for a game that didn't do well. On top of it, right? So I tried to put the games up that people did get to play that you know people were familiar with. Were you going to say FC? And also, calling us an armchair developer, we've been following development for like eight years now, so we got a PhD in, in, in development. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, let me I ask, did want to ask a question. Sure. So, how many of these games programmed into the unknown? Mm, good point. Not 15. Good point. Um, how many did? How many did something revolutionary for their genre? I almost want to say. I mean, not a not a new story and right. not updated graphics. But right. I'm talking something gameplay wise that was revolutionary. How many of these ones actually the, pulled that the off? The only one. Some of these I didn't play. The I'll speak for the ones I played. I played Diablo. I did uh, Team Fortress. I did. No, I didn't do StarCraft Two. I did La Noir. La Noir to me introduced that whole different way of playing their game it wasn't new it's just the, the mechanic the way they did the mechanic was a little bit different for the stuff that came out of rockstar uh or last guardian beyond that i don't know I, i'm not speaking about any of them you can talk about that one if you want to i'm just saying that's the one i know of i don't know of any of these other ones that innovated in some form as you're mentioning uh uh uber nerd i can't think of anything because diablo 3 didn't really innovate i know that didn't i mean 15 stories aside oh, go ahead Mm -hmm. No, no, I was just saying the stories aside, right? So the stories yeah. and the uh, the way that they tell a story mm -hmm. doesn't really count because right. that can be really unique and really strange. The right. way that they approach the game, mm -hmm. even if the gameplay is something that's not unusual to mm -hmm. the developer, but the story is, mm -hmm. th that doesn't count. No, I'm no. talking about mm -hmm. something that they had the right code or something that mm -hmm. would change game development forever. I don't think we're seeing anything from any of these that actually did that. They they were yeah. great stories. Many of them were very compelling in the way that they played the game. Mm -hmm. A lot of people love them, and that's cool. And yeah. that's good to carry on franchises. It's good to get this kind of these new types, these new stories, this new perspective that they bring in. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change. Like for example, there's no other game in the history of all all games where you can you know like land on a planet. Mm -hmm. anywhere you want mm -hmm. you don't have there's no load you know like yeah. when we when i initially saw they talked about planets mm -hmm. i thought we were gonna say okay you choose you know you get contacted by the air traffic control you choose to land and then mm -hmm. it's out of your control right narrow corridor down to a post postage stamp landing zone yep that's, that's what, what i that, thought that, that's what it was that, that, you're right that's what they said it what it was that's what it was yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah the demo they showed us. everybody mm -hmm. did yeah that was the paradigm right right Right. Well, what they've done now is a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. None of these other companies or none of these other games actually did a paradigm shift in gaming. Yeah. They were, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I get you. No, well, point right. well made. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well All right. Let's, let's jump a little bit, guys. I'm going to skip over that next part with the Kickstarter because we don't really need to go back and see the Kickstarter video. I want to get to the game history on Cloud Imperium. And it's going to be a little bit of a read. So I'm going to ask that you guys kind of bear with this because it's a lot of like, text <laughs> that's the, the only way i can describe it is there's going to be a lot of text coming up so let me see where do i have it here uh ready bar 
Oh, where is it at? Did I put it on here? Predictions? No. Okay, I didn't. So I gotta, I gotta put it. Oh, it's over here. Sorry. All right. So let me go to jump to this real quick. You're gonna lose our beautiful faces for a moment. Okay. <clears throat> All right. This is information from Wikipedia. I know. Don't groan, everybody. I verified to make sure that most of this information is correct, but I'm gonna read it. Um, this is in relation to Star Citizen. Pre-production of Star Citizen began in 2010, with production starting in 2011 using CryEngine 3. Several contractors and outsourced development companies such as CGBot, Armory, Void Alpha, and Behavior Interactive were hired to build an early prototype of the game and concept art. The goal of the prototype was to gain outside investment, but from following the success for the Double, fi Double Fine Adventure Kickstarter campaign, Roberts decided to crowdfund the game instead. After hiring Ortwin Fairmouth, Ben Lesnick, David Swafford, Cloud Imperium Games was formed with the intention of building the initial campaign. Star Citizen was officially announced at GDC on October 10th, 2012, during which the website they had built for the campaign crashed. Following the GDC presentation, the company announced a Kickstarter campaign that was going to start on October 18th, just a few days later. Okay, let's go to the next one here. The Kickstarter and early releases. In its initial debut on Kickstarter, Star Citizen was marketed as everything that made Wing Commander and Privateer and Freelancer special. The proposed game was claimed to include a single-player story-driven mode called Squadron 42 that would include drop-in, drop-out co-op, a company-hosted persistent universe mode, a self-hosted mod-friendly multiplayer mode, no subscriptions, and no pay-to-win mechanics. The initial estimated target release date was stated as November 2014, with all proposed features available at launch. Additional promised features included virtual reality support, flight stick support, and a focus on high-end PC hardware. While the initial release would be targeted for Microsoft Windows, Robert stated that Linux support was a goal for the project after its official release. As early development continued, Chris Roberts announced on August 2013 that they would be releasing the Hangar module, a way for players to explore an enclosed space and some of the ships that have been completed. The module was released six days later on August 29th and was considered the first deliverable of the project. This would mark the beginning. Uh, the beginning game would be the game would be released leading up to the release of the Persistent Universe during this early period. I'm sorry, during this early period, it was announced that the games would utilize the artificial intelligence system Kythera, developed by Moon Collider. The game is produced in a in distributed development process by Cloud Imperium Games and Foundry 42, with studios in Austin, Frankfurt, Santa Monica, Wimslow, and Derby. Additional partners. Sorry, that are have been working on the project include Turbulent, Virtuos, and Wormbright. Go a couple more here. Delays and extended development. During the 2012 crowdfunding campaign, Chris Roberts suggested that the game might be released in 2014. At the time, Roberts said, really, it's all about constant iteration from launch. The whole idea is to be constantly updating. It isn't like the old days where you had to have everything in the kitchen sink at the launch because you weren't going to come back for, for to it for a while. We're already one year in, another two years puts us three total, which is ideal, but more than, but more and things would begin to get scale, to get stale, sorry. As development progressed, key features were continually pushed from their projected release dates. The Arena Commander module originally scheduled for December of 2013 was delayed six months to the initial June 2014 release. Star Marine, originally scheduled for 2015 release was delayed till December of 2016. An update to the game's Persistent Universe module, Alpha 3.0, was, was delayed from December 2016 to December of 2017. 
Since Alpha 3.0's release, no official release dates have been set for Star Citizen, though its Alpha component continues to receive updates. Squadron 42, the now standalone single-player component of the game, was initially scheduled for the project's initial 2014 release, but suffered from delays as well. After it missed the 2014 release window, a release window of 2016 was suggested before the project was delayed indefinitely. In 2018, Cloud Imperium Games announced a plan to enter the beta stage of Squadron 42's development before the end of the first quarter of 2020. The beta was later pushed back again to the third quarter of 2020, which passed with no news until October, the 10th of October. Chris Roberts stated, we will have a ways to go before we are in beta. As the project continued to delay, key features and missed project deadlines, the media began to suggest that the game was becoming vaporware and might never be released. Many of these delays were blamed on micromanagement of the project by key members of Cloud Imperium Games and criticisms of features feature creep plagued the project. Comparisons were made to Star Citizen and Elite, Dangerous, another crowdfunded spaceflight simulation game announced at about the same time that released in 2014. Okay, so that's giving some background history on, you know, uh, the, the, the process of development over the years with this particular game. Um, I want to lay that foundation down because I'm going to look, we're going to look at one more video and then we're going to start talking a little bit more about Star Citizen. And this is a, another developer uh, who, uh, hang in there, <laughs> Radagast. <laughs> this is another developer's video uh, that shares some information about that. So let's take a quick look at it. <laughs> How long does it take to make a video game? The answer is, it depends on a large number of different factors such as the genre, the budget, the size of the team, the complexity of the game, whether it's an original game or an imitation, and a bunch of other factors that you probably wouldn't have considered. It's not an exact science. You can't really create a formula that tells you exactly how long a game should be in development for, because each game has a different set of circumstances. Here's a list of indie games and how long they were in development for. You'll notice that development time directly corresponds to the complexity of the game. Short, story-focused games with simple artwork, simple gameplay, and a heavy emphasis on characters and dialogue are developed faster than long games with detailed artwork and complex gameplay. You might be surprised to hear that it can take five years to develop a video game. That's because games are usually announced a few years after they have been in development. Nintendo began developing Breath of the Wild in 2012. They didn't announce the project until 2014. They didn't show us any gameplay until 2016, and we didn't get to play it until 2017. God of War was in development since 2013, but it wasn't announced until 2016, and we didn't get to play it until 2018. Kingdom Hearts 3 was first announced back in 2013, and we're not going to get it until later this year, in 2018. So we've established that the more complex a game is, the longer it's going to take to develop it. Small teams usually stick to simple games. When a small team tries to make a large, ambitious game, the development can really stretch out for a long time. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yandere Simulator is almost as complex as a Hitman game combined with a Persona game. It's a stealth assassination game, 
but it's also a school simulation game. It's a very ambitious and complex project with dozens of different features, most of which affect one another. For example, when a student sees you doing something bad, the outcome is determined by your current reputation, your current persona, whether or not you are armed, bloody, or insane, whether or not you are seductive, the persona of the student witnessing you, the current atmosphere at school, whether or not the student observing you is your friend, and whether or not it's their first time witnessing your behavior. And that's just one aspect of the game. Yandere Simulator has much more complexity than the average game that is created by one man or a small team. It's actually kind of ridiculous. Even though I am committed to finishing the game, I would never suggest that a small team ever attempts to build something like this, because the time investment required is an enormous price to pay. In most cases, the speed of a game's development is only going to be determined by the factors that I mentioned at the beginning of the video. However, there are also other circumstances that can cause a game's development to slow down. First, as the complexity of a project increases, it will become proportionally difficult to work on it. Every time you add a new feature, it will affect other features, create new bugs, increase the amount of time you need to spend waiting for the code to compile, increase the loading times of the game, etc. Something that was simple and easy to work on at the beginning can eventually become a nightmare that you are constantly wrestling with, where making even the smallest amount of progress becomes very time-consuming and difficult. If you push yourself to work as many hours as humanly possible every single day, then eventually you're going to burn yourself out you'll become too exhausted and fatigued to be productive. If you work on the same project for multiple years, you'll eventually get tired of it. This will lead to a loss of enthusiasm and motivation, which will cause you to become more easily distracted and less productive. If a group of weird people on the internet decide that they feel completely justified in treating you like garbage, and you're subjected to abusive treatment on a daily basis for multiple years, you'll become depressed, which will affect your productivity, which will cause people to call you lazy or a scam artist, which will cause you to receive even more abuse, which will cause you to become even more depressed and less productive, which becomes a never-ending cycle of abuse and depression. Your fan base won't know about this for a long time because you'll do your best to never speak of it. Eventually, your comment sections will be dominated by people who want to hurl insults at you and spew ridiculous misinformation that isn't anywhere close to being true. Maybe a handful of people will behave with dignity and respect, but an overwhelming number of people will be cruel and abusive. You'll decide that thousands of angry, screaming voices is the absolute last thing that would help your mental health and you'll shut it all off so that you don't lose even more motivation or become even more depressed than you already are. Even if you're 100% dedicated to the game that you're developing and you've sacrificed everything else in your life so that you can focus exclusively on your game, there are still a bunch of factors that can result in slow progress. In 2016, I tried to estimate what might be a reasonable release date for Yandere Simulator. Using the information that was available to me at the time, I decided that 2019 sounded like a realistic target to hit.
In the two years that have passed since then, I've gained much more knowledge, experience, and information that has helped me to form a new estimate for when I think the game will be completed. And that estimate is... 2051. When it's ready. When CD Projekt Red first announced Cyberpunk 2077, they didn't bother giving the game a release date. Why would they? People would just get mad at them if they missed the date or had to delay the game. It was smart of them to avoid giving the game a release date. That's what I'm going to do too. And the simulator will come out when it's finished. Release the game and, and people still got angry at them. <laughs> I know that it can be difficult to wait for a game that you're eagerly anticipating. But if you're going to be a gamer, you've got to get used to it. I've been playing games for over two decades, and I've been in this situation Amateur. countless times. <laughs> Waiting for a game with a long development cycle is something I've become accustomed to. I didn't like waiting seven years for The Last Guardian, but I waited anyway, and I had a great time with the final game. In 2014, I saw a game called The Forest. It looked really cool. Even though it was still in development, I decided to download it and play it. I was having a ton of fun. So, I uninstalled it immediately. I didn't want to get tired of the game before its final release. Recently, after five years in development, it was finally finished. I reinstalled it, and I had a fantastic time with it. I'm glad I didn't play it to death while it was still in early access, or else I wouldn't have been interested in playing the final game. I always end my videos by saying thank you for following the development of Yandere Simulator. But if you're looking forward to Yandere Sim, maybe the smartest thing to do is to completely ignore it until it comes out. That way you won't get tired of it before it's released, and you'll be pleasantly surprised by everything you see in the final game. I hope that this video has helped you to understand two very important things. If you're waiting for a small team to finish a large, complex, ambitious game project, you're going to have to wait longer than you would for a normal game. And even if someone is 100% dedicated to their project, there can still be a bunch of factors that result in slow progress. Thank you for following the development of Yandere Simulator. Or oh, not. Right. I'm going to uninstall Star Citizen too. and, and I'll show you guys when the game will leave. Okay. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Yandere <laughs> Simulator, a.k.a. Psychotic Japanese Schoolgirls. There you go. <laughs> Exactly yeah. it. Uber nerd, let where, me ask where you. Where can I download that? <laughs> let, let me ask you a question. Right. Uber nerd, we, sometimes we, we've told people that, right? Sometimes we've told people, uh, if, if this is too much, wait for the game to come out, right? But at the yeah. same time, there is that dynamic of testing the game and playing the game so that they can get information, see how you can get information on playing it. How do you strike that balance with your viewers when you talk to people? People raise that question to you about, you know, uh, um, you know, because like Fast Car is one of those people who will say, there's some things I don't want to see in the game because I don't want to ruin the experience, you know, when the game comes out. And some of us are like, you know, I'm, I'm in it all the way. I want to see everything now. How do you kind of split the difference between those two positions? Well, for me, it's more of, I, I, I don't think I found a point yet where I really have grown weary of, 
Star Citizen or Star Citizen gameplay. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can go exploring for literally hours, days, weeks, and months and not get bored. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's also because I don't let it consume my every waking hour. Mm -hmm. I try to balance, you know, uh, you know, I, I only play Star Citizen for the most part when I'm on stream. Mm -hmm. I also don't just have that as my exclusive game that I play on stream. Mm -hmm. And my I make sure that my viewers understand that I am not a Star Citizen exclusive uh, gamer, but I love this game. I love what CIG and Chris Roberts are trying to do. And I support it because I think that the industry needs to follow this lead, but mm -hmm. they won't follow the lead if it fails. So I support it. So it won't. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at. I mean, look, I love what they're doing and I love partaking in it and I love being able to wake up in a bed and walk out into the uh, the city and look out over the cityscape and just dream about what is coming mm -hmm. and know that all the things that they've told us mm -hmm. over the last five years in terms of, well, we're really trying to work on this, we're really trying to build this, has come to fruition. If you look at everything that they've talked about, what they want to bring in, the kind of functionality they want to have. That's all there. I mean, for the most part, there's still some missing pieces, but those missing pieces are what that one guy in the video talked about, that that last part, that last, you know, that last part of the hill mm -hmm. where it just everything gets really, really hard mm -hmm. in software development. You always it's all about the low hanging fruit. Mm. Okay. That's the stuff people take out first. Yeah. Everybody does the easy work first. And mm -hmm. it's not, it's human nature. It's not because it's, oh, this is easy. It's because it's easy. You can get it out of the way quick. Right. Right. You know, hey, let's get this stuff done. And then just, right. you know, and they, it's not that they leave the hardest stuff for the end. They're mm -hmm. working on the hardest stuff from the beginning, but it actually just takes that long to, do it. to actually make it work. I'm, I'm so, glad you said that because there are times when things get introduced into the game, you know, into Star Citizen and people will say, well, why are they working on that? Like like something is, I don't wanna say simple, but let's say like, for example, they did the show, remember a couple of weeks ago on lighting, right? And people say, why are they worrying about light switches when we still have issues with, you know, the network, you know? I, I'm glad you said that, that you have to remember that all those departments are moving you know, together, but there are some departments that are going to move faster, be able to produce more, where there are other ones like the back end work, right, or the networking or the meshing that's literally taking time with all the engineers and people they have working on it. It's still going to take time. And to your point, especially when you're building into, as you put it, the unknown, that changes the dynamics a lot, I think. Fastcart, let me talk to you real quick because you do hold back. You, you dip your foot into Star Citizen from time to time, but you honestly have said, hey, I really want the experience to be fresh when I step into it. Is that, how does that work for you when you see stuff? I know sometimes you see clips or you're, you're watching a streamer, you know, how does that, how do, you, do you turn it off or do you watch it? But as long as you don't experience it, you're cool. How do you, how do you balance all that out in the development? I mean, to, to, to be more accurate, the, the, the thing I said is that I don't want to burn myself out before the game comes burn out. Burn yourself out, that's, right, right. You don't want to burn that, yourself that, out. That's what I, that's what I don't want to mm -hmm. do. Because I, like, like, you can give me an example. I played, we both played EVE Online. Mm -hmm. I was one of the people who, who bind for six hours, eight hours a day in EVE Online because, mm -hmm. you know, I enjoyed it and, and, and I was good at it. So I didn't want to, I don't want to do that and start Citizen just yet because the game is out. And, and plus, plus it's, it, 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 Depending on what patch we're in, it's not persistent yet. Mm -hmm. But once it, once it becomes persistent and once the game is launched, then I'll then I'll go you know eight hours a day doing whatever. But um, you know, and and also like to to answer your question, every patch I try to jump in and and, and experience it just just to keep my 
myself fresh, mm-hmm. my uh, my information fresh, and, and what, what, what the gameplay is like. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Oh, well, part of your question? No, I mean that was basically it. That's asking okay. you how do you balance that out? You know, since you don't get burnt out from it, you you go in enough just to keep yourself updated, whatever. But that's it. You don't get into any pattern of playing it all the time or anything like that, right? Okay. Ask right. Her, you should try uh, like the the new Andromeda uh, uh, game turret uh, multi crew gameplay. We just the other day we had so just three of us in an Andromeda. We had so much fun. I mean, oh my god, it was the most fun I've had in Akani. I, I think since the very beginning, when since they first came out flyable in two, what was it, two point three mm-hmm. or two point two or two point three or something like that. I, yeah. I don't remember exactly, but I just remember doing missions in the Connie, and the, you know, it was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, that's great. And, and that's the one thing I, I do miss out on the, the community aspect and, and the game and some, some gameplay aspects. Like I, I, I won't have some of the war stories you guys will have when, when, when the game when the game launches, mm-hmm. but you know, I have to balance it because I don't want to put. As much money as I put into Star Citizen, I don't want to play for like a week after it launches because I'm 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 burnt out. So mm-hmm. that, that, that that that's what I'm trying to do. Well, you may not have the war stories, but you don't you don't also get the stress and gray hairs that we get for being in here all the time well, I, I, either. I got so. my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, unique uh, for you with development. You know, I, I want to go back a little bit to the history that I read and listening to these different developers talking about the process of building. I mean, is this all sounding on point to you as somebody who's in the industry that, yes, that you mentioned it, time is a huge factor in this. And is that something that we're just, as as backers, are we just not aware of the reason why time is needed, especially when we're doing something that's never been done before? Um, absolutely. I mean, you got to let people innovate, right? They've actually got to come up with solutions and it's not like they can look around and find it any particular place. They have to dream it up themselves mm-hmm. uh, as a group or an individual or somebody has an epiphany. Mm-hmm. And even the videos we watch, they are from the point of view of a developer. Mm-hmm. And the problem with developers, they are not managers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't mention in any of those videos about the writers, mm-hmm. the accountants, mm-hmm. the lawyers, mm-hmm. right? All the things and logistics and other stuff that they have to pay for. So the financial weight on all of these mm-hmm. groups that make these games is a lot larger than we see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thinking about something like servers alone. I never, there was one point I never really thought about like, <laughs> what is their server cost, you know, to be yeah, operating who's servers? Paying who's paying for all that? Well, we know who's paying for it, but it's a lot of money, right? It's, it's, it's right. a lot, a lot of money. Colossal. Um, Whether you use mm-hmm. them or not. Yeah, well, yeah, true. Whether you're using them or not. That, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, mm, I lost what I was going to ask you, Colossal. I had a real good question for you. Um, <laughs> man, flew out of my head that quick. I, if it comes back, I'll, I'll ask you. Uh, I want to jump into Star Citizen now a little bit more because we've been talking about development and kind of get a little educated about what it means to get into game development. Uh, in 2016, I mentioned this earlier, uh, that was for me the moment where I, we, many of us, we thought that we were going to see a vertical slice. Uh, I think uh, Fastcart, you were down in LA. Were you in LA Colossal? Did you go to Colossal that year? We were were you in Los this? Angeles? CitizenCon no. 24-6. Ubernerd, no. were you there? Oh, I haven't been to a citizen con. con. Okay, and unique, you weren't there, right? So I think no, Fast Cart and I are the only no two people. Okay, right. Well, we went there. We a lot of us went there yeah. thinking that that was going to be the thing, man. I mean, first of all, we were in LA. We thought there was going to be a vertical slice. I kept wondering whether there was going to be some cameos from some of the people who were in the thing. I mean, I was like really pumped up about us yeah, being we in LA, right? And we knew the 3.0 was being announced. 
So we were really waiting for a really, really big, you know, you know, thing that was going to happen. And so I'm going to show you guys the clip. Uh, Chris started going through 3.0 and talking about how they're progressing. And later on, he gets into what's going to come later. But this is how they announced to the group that was there that day. As we were sitting there with great anticipation in the theater in Los Angeles. Glade, I know you were there. Um, this is the, the, the speech that we got that day. Um, so right now where we're at in Squadron 42 is all the chapters and gameplay features are at gray, gray box or better. So gray box is when we've had everything blocked out, all the actions done. Uh, we've sort of balanced it for what we think will be fun or not, uh, but it doesn't have sort of the final assets, the final polish, um, and you know, things like the AI that I was talking about. Um, we are currently taking one of the chapters of the story all the way to what we would consider final shipping quality. Um, the idea would be to flush out all the technical integration and polish issues you would get with that. And that was actually, I gave an interview, I don't know, three weeks ago, probably spoke too soon. And they saying, we're hoping to show you a Squadron 42 mission. Uh, and uh, we're not quite there yet. So we got very close. Uh, the, the team worked really hard, but we don't want to show it until we say, this is what it's going to be like in the final game with all the polish. And you know, for our standpoint, we don't want to show something too early on Squadron 42. We want to show the final stuff. So I, I know that's a bit of a bummer. But um, it's important because I think Squadron 42 itself is going to be in a fantastic experience. But uh, there is, you know, work in progress, Star Citizen, yes. I think work in progress with Squadron 42 I don't really want to do because I am accused of being a bit of a perfectionist, but it does need to be a great experience. Um, and... <laughs> Well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm hopefully going to show you something that will make you forget what I just said. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe not, but, you know, uh, then you can, just buy me lots, you can buy me lots of drinks afterwards, or I'll drink lots of alcohol and do something. Uh, but, uh, but, but one of the keys is that we, and I think, you know, Aaron said it in the video, and I feel that way, is, um, you know, we want to do it right. It's really important to do it right. What we're enabled to do by you guys is to do it right because if we were in a typical situation with a publisher they would say well no you've got to make the christmas window get it out and da -da -da, and then you can patch it with some you can do some patches and then the dlc and don't worry about the people won't you know won't think it's quite as polished or whatever and it's got a bunch of bugs and no that's that's i don't think anyone because everybody's you know this is what you guys it's what i want i spent all this time you guys have obviously spent a vast amount of time supporting and being there and, and you know Let's make it right. Like, why, why, why spend? Yeah. Because, because you remember. I mean, look. I got to tell you, I was, you know, there's quite a lot of things that, like, you know, I was kind of, I was like looking forward to Uncharted Four, and they're like, oh no, it's gonna be February, and I was like, ah, oh, damn it. And then I played it, and I didn't give a shit that it was. I was playing in like whatever it was, March instead of back in November, because it was a fucking great game. And so, sorry, pardon, pardon my French. Uh, so that's. So that's really important for us. So that's, that's my long-winded way of saying that as much as we wanted to have Squadron 42 for this year, it's not going to be this year because from the polish we need to do, it, it still needs a bit more time. Um, but we will be showing you this final, uh, this mission polish level in the near future. So, uh, Double R uh, Hackery, thank you so much for the follow. Appreciate that.
uh, that was a real hard pill to swallow that day because people came from all over, <laughs> right? Fast cart, uh, hoping the world, to, <laughs> the world. to, to, to see this world. thing. We thought we were going to see the premiere piece from Squadron 42, and we did get to see a really cool video later, but it wasn't Squadron 42. I think, was that the year of the worm, fast cart? The worm? You know, the year of the worm. The year the of the worm, worm, right? The sandworm, yeah. yeah, which was, which was kind of cool. But uh, it, it, there were some broken hearts. But I, the one thing I want to note in that video was the response of the audience. It was dead quiet, but then mm -hmm. people came behind that and clapped and supported the decision to wait. And so I'm gonna show you guys the next video and we'll talk about what we did finally see. Now, this was the vertical slice that came a year later. Uh, it was during, during the holiday show, holiday stream in 2017, okay? Hi, I'm Chris Roberts. I'm the project director of Squadron 42, and I'm sitting here with David Haddock, the lead writer. Hello. And also Sean Tracy, the director of global content, uh, who's overseeing both Squadron and uh, Star Citizen. And we're here to talk about the Vertical Slice, which we just uh, premiered a little earlier today on the holiday live stream. Uh, so here we are opening up uh, in Odin's system, and uh, we're sort of a, we're sort of establishing the scene and cutting us up, catching us up on the story. Yeah, I'm going to pull the audio down. Uh, yeah, so basically, the because uh, we kind of jumped, you went dropped in the middle um, of the story. We want to give you a little bit of context. You know, Colossal, so you before they did the vertical slice, we ended up the giving the Marvel tour. Do you remember that? You know, what they were talking and about. And if you see the animation like that, in the Marvel tour, yeah, so we sort of this is not at the very beginning of the game, but I would say it's sort of. I think some people even talked about when we watched the original trailer for beginning Squadron of the 42 that it looked maybe. very dated, yeah. Yeah. right? Uh, or um, like, do you feel like it was worth that even arrived on the, folks got disappointed the and you, you sort of bedded in and you started to fly some missions. So the very first time you actually fly a mission is what we had with the IGN teaser where Old Man's who the hell are you? kind of fun because the whole game's about getting Mark Hamill or Old Man's approval, which is very cool. So here we are, we're waking up in the sort of sleeping quarters area of the Idris. And, and, and uh, in each of these mm. uh, cubicles, so, they've got their own um, little shuttle I mean, so this was amazing. get asleep, and um, uh, so we are... Uh, I'd, I'd you know, I, I don't getting waking up and uh, we're, you know, one of the things to think and remember about what we're going for for Squadron and ultimately we'll do the same for Star Citizen is we want everything to be very tactile, to be very sort of... At least I see progress. Thanks, guys. I just muted it. Thank you. I don't know why that was still coming through. It should have been muted. Thank you all for letting me know. Thank you. Go ahead, Colossal. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, I'm not a game developer, so I don't have that experience, the expertise. I'm just a gamer. And when I see things like this and in and, and terms of what developers are doing, you know, j just because I guess that's the teacher part of me is, you know, I got students too, and I have students who fail and I have to make sure that they succeed. So when I see these types of things coming to fruition like that, I have a little bit more of, more of a tolerance um, with these types of things to see the growth of a game. So this pleased me. Mm -hmm. Okay, folks, I know you all, I, I got the point you guys said you didn't hear what I said. What I asked Colossal was, um, you know, before this, we know earlier, some of you all commented that when we watched the original trailer for Squadron 42, that it looked very dated. And then a few years later, we got the Morrow tour. Uh, but when you look at the Morrow tour and then you look at the vertical slice, you can see a dramatic difference in the tech and how much further CIG had come. And my question to Colossal was, you know, once you saw this particular vertical slice, was it worth the wait? The fact that Chris and them in 2016 said, hey, it's not where we want it. And they ended up waiting another year and two months before they presented it to the to us. Ubernerd, let me jump to you. When you saw the vertical slice, you know, sat through, watched the whole story, the whole OMC thing, what did, what did you think of it? 
I, I mean, I was uh, I was very impressed with the the models and the uh, you know all of the stuff that we see in that from the original. Um, you know, from the Moro tour, mm -hmm. which was janky as hell mm -hmm. to this was just unbelievable, you know, leap in uh, technological capability in non, you know, clipping. They still had, you know, mm -hmm. little bits here and there, but nowhere near as bad as what the, the Moro tour was. And um, it, yeah, it was, it looked pretty good. I, I mean, I think it, now it, it this was 26 the 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 announcement that chris roberts did not this vertical slice but that was 2016 is that correct yeah the one we were supposed we thought we were going to see it was at citizen right. con 2016 and then in in the holiday stream mm -hmm. they showed us what this we saw this as the holiday stream 2016 holiday stream oh, oh 2016 December. oh that one i don't remember because yeah. this was 2017 i can't remember what it was in 2016 they showed us uh, they showed us what was it What's that? No, not Citizen Con, uh -huh. the holiday stream, the one in December. What was? Do you remember? No, no I, hmm? what fast card? No, I, 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 I was referring uh, right after Citizen Con uh, in 2016. They um they they they, they gave us a, a a more detailed explanation of, of why they put off the um the vertical flight for 2016. It's right. Citizen, the road to Citizen Con. It was, um, yes. It was released on October 14th. I'm gonna put it in mm -hmm. quick chat and, and I provided a, a more in-depth detail. Of what, what, what was what was they thinking? What, and right. what was going on behind the scene? Now, didn't they in 2016 December also show us the preliminary kind of like, oh, hey, look at this! We just discovered how to make full planets that you can fly onto and land on. It mm. might have been the year. I can't. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah, I, re I remember what because you're talking about. I don't remember what year it was, but I do remember. Is when why five that. years, uh, five years later, mm -hmm. they're probably now just finishing Squadron Forty Two. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, because they put planets in there, and they now have missions where you can go land on the. You know, mm -hmm. and so I think was it twenty fifth? Might have been twenty fifteen. But I, I, anyways, mm -hmm. I really do pupil the planet. Was that That's pupil the planet? Saying. Was yeah, that twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen? I think that Chris and the team, mm -hmm. that was December 2015. Okay, mm -hmm. so, but I do think Chris and the team, I think mm -hmm. that's why that the, I think that's why this vertical slice was mm -hmm. delayed because what did we see in the vertical slice? In particular, they landed on a planet. And they did a oh, mission okay, on, foot, on a planet. Oh yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't have happened. Uh, so I think that when they introduced the 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 planetary tech in 2015. That delayed what everybody thought was going to be the vertical slice in 2016 mm -hmm. to 2017. Uh, it also is because of the technological hurdles all, you know, coming mm -hmm. with that has delayed the entirety of Squadron much further than, than they expected. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that is there's a lot of stuff. And when you're like I that we've talked about before, when you're programming into the unknown. Mm -hmm these kind of things are there's a lot of unforeseen you don't know what you don't know and mm -hmm. that's one of those things everybody hates it when you say it but it mm -hmm. is so that's true, true. you true. just don't know what you don't know and it's until you come across that oh my god now we have you know six six hundred thousand more lines of code to code than we thought initially yeah right? <laughs> I, I think part of the problem is that people people think we, we're using it as a crutch to to uh, uh, adjust an excuse we don't know what we know or the game is an alpha and stuff like that but it's it, 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 it true but i think i'm not going to say we, we overuse it but it's just that people still still don't know exactly what that means and what, what, what it does ask any ask any gamer okay if you've never played a game before 
let's say they're, you know, like Doom. If you've never played Doom before, do you know all the secret passageways the first time you do a run through? Mm. Nope. No. And you might accidentally stumble across one, mm -hmm. but it's only after going through it multiple times or even having somebody tell you about the secret, you know, like you, you got to sit this over here and mm -hmm. put the blood of this over there. And then all of a sudden this door opens and you've got a secret level and, you know, you don't know about any of it. That's the same thing of you don't know. Mm. No, when you first go into programming and writing this game, mm. you don't know what kind of stuff's going to get in the way and you might miss it completely yeah. and then have to go back. Yeah. So what I saw, what they presented here mm -hmm. with this, with the, with this vertical slice, when I saw this, I was really excited. Mm. I was very, very excited because even right now in this day and age, mm -hmm. that still looks fantastic. It does. It does. Unique, let me ask you, uh, one of the other things that, that comes up from time to time is that this isn't just about one game. We've got both Squadron and Star Citizen kind of parallel in development, right? Does that does that also create bigger complications, or is it not a big deal as long as the tech is the same? Uh, no, it's complications because the style of play in the games are different. One is more the, sing, uh, the, the single chapter player. by chapter as you're walking through, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a rote progression, mm -hmm. right? Where mm -hmm. you got the open world. Um, and that completely changes. So, like, what is the vertical slice for the persistent universe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is Stanton mm -hmm. itself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We yeah. got to get one solar system working before we move on to the other, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So that's why you had to go planet by planet by planet by planet. Now mm -hmm. that we've got four planets, more tech can come in about doing missions in that space. And then eventually they'll add the warp jump hole. Mm -hmm. And then that'll tell you that, hey, I'm ready to. Start replicating it and second. building more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, we got some questions for today too. So I'm going to kind of jump a little bit ahead here. Um, but thank you all for sharing that. Uh, Fast card, I didn't get to ask you when you saw the, the vertical slice, what was your feelings? Because you were there in 2016 and you finally got to see it a year, two months later. What did you think? Was it worth the wait for you? Uh, was this the year that they that they de delayed the holiday screen by twenty four hours? Or I don't remember. Year? I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I, if this was that year, I, I had my thoughts on on all the people who took the day off to um to watch this and and, and had to wait an extra day to, to do it. Mm -hmm. But I, I was I, I myself didn't have to take a day off, so I was satisfied with the video, and I thought it was a, a, a leap and bound. Um, better than the original monitor, and you know, and like you said today, uh, it, 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 the tech and the visual still uh, still holds up. Yeah, yeah. And this is 2017. Yeah. The thing I really liked about this, I think Ubernerd, you kind of alluded to this a little bit. Unlike the Morrow tour, which, like you said, it was kind of janky. You know, we thought, mind you, we thought it was great when it came out, right? We saw like, ooh, look at this, it's great. They're walking around on the Idris. But what I liked about this was that we got to see some of the celebrities, the stars that were going to be there. We got to hear dialogue. It wasn't just the guy Morrow just talking about the ship, but but we got a piece of what this story was going to be like, and that that was the thing that really engaged me even more interaction with Mark Hamill's character, things like that, which I thought was, it gave us a glimpse of what the game will be like, not just as far as the graphics and visuals, but the storyline and everything else. So that was really what impressed me uh, when we when we finally got a chance to see this. I'm, I'm gonna jump to um, a phrase here. Um, and it's this one here. One of the developers in one of the videos recently was talking about how uh, they were working on some stuff with Chris Roberts and they presented some information and his statement was, I think it was the guy from uh, 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 Turbulent. 
and it was when they were starting to work on Spectrum. And they were presenting him with some ideas of things that they wanted to do. And they felt really good. They did a lot of research. And Chris's statement to them was, that's really good, but you're not thinking big enough. Now, this is going to be a challenging question to everybody because you guys didn't know this question was coming. So I'm going to ask this in chat. Feel free to chime in on this. <clears throat> um, is that statement a good thing? Or is that statement sometimes can put you in trouble? Um, you're not thinking big enough. Is that a statement that someone who's, and I'm not trying to come up with this classification, but when you're a visionary, is that something that someone says to people to challenge them, to make them think even beyond or out of the box, maybe even more? Because a lot of times we'll work on something very difficult, you know, very difficult, put in a lot of hours. We're trying to present something like this, the best of our ability. And then once you do that, somebody says, wow, that's really great what you did, Colossal, but you're not thinking big enough. Yeah. Um, you know, is that also part of what's, you know, made Star Citizen's timeline bigger too? Because, you know, the ambition, the word we use, the ambition in this project. Uh, let me go to Fast Card first on this one. What do you think about that when Chris Roberts might turn to somebody? And I'm saying this, and I, I shared this a little bit earlier. I'm thinking about uh, somebody like a George Lucas, right? Who... He has this vision of what he wants. And if any of you guys have ever watched the making of Star Wars films and he's talking to his staff and everything, he's always pushing them to think beyond what they have. He's always challenging them to, yeah, this is really great what you guys came up with, but what about if, or he pushes harder, but does that also increase the time? I mean, or, you know, I mean, as, as Uber Nerd has said, this venturing into the unknown, places that we don't think about is pushing that, is that also adding to the time? What do you think, Fast Card? I think it does add to the time, but I think also it it, it does push that creativity. Um, Chris Roberts had this had this vision, and he's trying to raise everyone up in the in 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 the organization and 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 call the freedom game up to up to up to his vision. So he doesn't want to have asset as as the case may be, but yes, it does add. Add more time, because especially if if a, if a developer comes up with a certain, a certain idea and he thinks this is the scope of of the limitation of, of what the game is and or whatever limitation he has, then Chris Robert says, "Oh, but you know, you're not thinking big enough." Mm -hmm. And he says, "But I put everything I have into this. What are you talking about?" <laughs> so yeah, that 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 will add add to it. Okay, Colossal, you're a school teacher. I know you always challenge your kids to go beyond you know, what they think is good. What do you think about this in relation to game development or the creating Star Citizen? Well, I'm trying not to be so analytical of that statement because I don't know what the, what the whole context of, of it was, the conversation, mm -hmm. or even you know, the entire statement. No, so no I'll, I'll tell you this. what it was. I'll tell you what specifically. Okay. The, the guys yeah. from, the guys from, from, from um, what's the company I said? Uh, Turbulent. Uh, Turbulent. Turbulent. They were getting mm -hmm. ready to present Spectrum, their idea for what Spectrum would look like to Chris. Mm -hmm. And Chris saw it and said, wow, that's great but you're not thinking big enough. Now, I don't know yeah. what it was they presented, but whatever it was, he pushed them. It might have been the, the star map, because I, I can see, I could totally see that. It, it, it could have been star the star map. map. You know, it may have been the fact that he says that he wants us to be able to put it on mobile devices and be able to tie in and while you at work, you can see stuff in real time. I don't know what it was, but whatever they presented yeah. at first, he pushed them harder. Yeah, maybe he well, was. Maybe he had an idea of when they came in. He thought they were going to present this, and they fell. They fell short of what he thought they were going to present. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so it's just basically it's it's just simple. He he has a vision, mm -hmm. and he's basically telling you know people or whatever that situation is mm -hmm. uh, that arrived on that day that 
um, that he wants them to raise their game. Mm. Mm. And 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 think outside of the box. This, we do that all the time. Think outside of the box. Let's mm-hmm. not use what Johnny, what what you know Johnny would would use. What would you do, and how would this be better for you and everybody else? How could you how could you um, uh, uh, take it and maximize it? Not mm-hmm. just give me what you what you think is going to do. How can we maximize it? Mm-hmm. So I, that's what we do. We we do we challenge our kids all the time. To, you know, stop thinking to the norm. Think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Maybe something that you do. Uh, that you're thinking outside the box may be more creative than the other person who tries to stay in the box. So mm-hmm. it's it's a typical uh, tactic for people to, you know, to just, he wants something that people have not produced. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uber nerd, um, you, you know, it, you've been around the world with development and, and, and stuff like that. Um, there is that, I think you made the comparison earlier about who's innovating, you know, yeah, we looked at all these games, they're great games, they're wonderful games. But if we look at them deeply, are they changing gaming? Are they innovating? Are they coming up with a different way of looking at gaming? Is does this does this statement of Chris Roberts kind of push into that area of making people think differently? So it does, but we have to think about it from what we have right now in the game. Mm-hmm. Right now in the game, you can be on Spectrum and. Uh, add somebody to your contact list it adds them in the game mm. you can be uh, you can be uh, i mean you can you can uh, invite you know i can see people who are online if they're on my contact list i can see when i'm in the game i can open up my friends list and i can see them mm-hmm. and it says they're in the it says they're on spectrum or mm-hmm. in the menu or in the game mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So and they and they said before didn't and they have told us they want Spectrum to be accessible no matter where you are right right Mo- mobile mm-hmm. they want it to be a, a computer they want it to be accessible from in the game and in the menu they want Spectrum to be accessible everywhere that's what I think he meant by you're not thinking big enough because mm-hmm. he had asked them look this is what I want Spectrum to be for this and I think they came back and presented him a more modern looking forums mm-hmm. that's what I think happened. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're not seeing the whole story, but we do know it's about it was a it was a meeting of turbulent and they were uh, and they were showing Chris, hey, here's what we want to do with Spectrum, and it was an updated version of just what normal mm. forms are. Mm. And he says you're not thinking big enough. Mm. And what I think he meant by that, and I think that you know it's a good statement, but I think he really was trying to say we want this to be fully integrated so that people in on the website can talk to people in the game because they've mm-hmm. told us this many times ago before, right? Mm-hmm. We want people in the menu to be able to talk to people on the game. We want people to be in the menu on on their mobile device mm-hmm. as they're driving to home, talking to their buddies who are out there on a mission in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And that was what ha- I'm thinking was not in there. So, okay. and, he, and that's probably what he meant by you're not thinking big enough. You know, this mm-hmm. is not it's not for all encompassing in terms of how we want Spectrum to be mm-hmm. for uh, the game. Okay. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't want to use Discord as an avenue for the end game uh, uh, communication. He mm-hmm. wants Spectrum to be your communication, your your planning, and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Okay. Unique. Let me ask you this question. This statement. You're not thinking big enough. We talked about it in relation to Chris talking to you know Turbulent and his developers. Is this applicable to the backers? I mean, is this something that 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 hits us too? You know, is it because because our review of the game is based a lot on our experiences of how the game industry has operated in the past, right? I mean, we're used to games that churn out every two years, or at least we think they do, right? Uh, or you know, the, 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 these things that get recycled. Is this something that we need to be thinking about, or is it, or is it, you know, just a, sounds great, but you know, not not real? So it's it's a matter of the visionary 
trying to convey his vision to the people that he is bringing along up to them. Mm -hmm. And when they get up to that level, mm -hmm. then they will bring out these things by themselves. Otherwise, he's got to coax it out of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm responsible for building large backend systems that have to run 24-7. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'll tell you exactly what goes on in those meetings. Hey, let me show you what we just did. And they are ready to demo their systems and show me the best backend stuff that they did. Mm -hmm. And they're shocked when I tell them, I really don't care how it runs when it's working mm -hmm. because it's always working. What you need to show me is how well does it run when it's not working? Mm -hmm. That's the sign of a strong backend system. Mm -hmm. So that's all he's asking from those guys. You mm -hmm. got to do better. Mm -hmm. My vision's out here mm -hmm. and it requires more stuff that no one's ever seen before. And literally talking from the web mm -hmm. into the real time game, uh, injecting advertisements, Coca-Cola and stuff into those hologram screens mm -hmm. to pay for this back end stuff. Mm -hmm. Things like that are possible with this game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking as, as a backer, I've, yeah, I think that there is a, it's very easy to get lulled into all of the, the great stuff the great stuff that Chris talks about, right? The things that he wants to do, the vision, you know, right? The, the, the things that we're gonna be capable of doing. I, I, um, I, someone mentioned this earlier, I think Colossal did. We, many of you, I know Uberner, I saw you shaking your head. We've been watching the elite uh, dangerous players who've been playing Star Citizen, right? Since Invictus, right? Since Odyssey, and they've come in, and, and we were joking about this on the show before, that, you know, one video I watched with Kate, she was amazed picking up a box and sitting it on the bed in her Avenger, right? I mean, that blew her mind. And she takes off in the Avenger, she goes into uh, she goes into Quantum, and then she's like, you know what? I need to go check on that box to make sure it's okay. You know, now this is stuff that we take for granted, right, Uber Nerd? I mean, we've been doing this walking yeah. up ramps and going in and out stuff. We don't even think anything about it anymore. Well, but people who have been there- we it. had to experience walking up ramps and dying no, Right, right, right. <laughs> very, <laughs> very true, right? But, but that stuff is so normal to us that we've actually forgotten for the people who haven't experienced it. They come in and they see the innovation. They see like what's so different about Star Citizen and in, in, in nothing against Elite Dangerous, because all of us, I think almost all of us here, except for Unique, he told us he turned on Elite and turned it off. But the rest of us have played Elite. But we, we get it because they come in with a fresh set of eyes and they're, and they're comparing it, what you would say, Uberner, to almost what's industry standard to a certain degree. And then they come in and they say, wow, look at the scale here. Yeah, there's scale in Elite, but this is in a different way of looking at scale. So I think that they want to know. I, hmm? I want to know what, what their reaction would, would have been to the Big Benny challenge, moving a, a Big Benny um, vending machine. I'm sure they would have had fun because they've had fun. <laughs> they, I mean, seriously, stuff that we don't care about, like box missions, they're enjoying it. You know what I mean? I mean, stuff that we just have, like we're way past it. They're having a blast with it. But again, it's also because it's, it's such a for them, it's comparison. You know what I mean? For us, as, as Uberner said, we've kind of gone through the progression and all the headaches and everything yeah. else. Uh, but for them to see a cart and push it is the greatest thing in the world. You know what I mean? And it's, so it's, it's funny, Griff, because mm -hmm. when we did it, we did it throughout the whole entire progression, right? Yeah. 2.0, 2.1, 2.2. Mm -hmm. They're having to do what we did, but at a faster pace. Yes. Right. Because they're trying to catch up. Yes. And well, you guys and remember the, you know, 2.6 and then what was it? Eight months Zero. before we got 3.0. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we played around with it for a long time. It, 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 it's to see that I'm really excited for the elite dangerous folks, mm -hmm. um, you know, because we've been trying to get them to see what we've seen for a long time. 
So it's really exciting it's to see scam. these folks mm-hmm. uh, are, are having fun with the game. It really is or the simulation. It is. And, and I think we're mm-hmm. getting close to the top of the uh, the the roller coaster. You know, so when you're mm-hmm. in that and that first hill in the roller coaster, mm-hmm. it's very slow. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exciting the anticipation, right. but it's very slow. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. And that you know the 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 trip from where you get on the roller coaster to the very top right before it starts down its whole mm-hmm. you know quick succession of loops and all that other stuff Mm -hmm. we're just nearing the top and that's when they finish the entire template for building solar systems Mm -hmm. and cities and landings and landing zones and outposts and space stations once all of that stuff is you know really polished as a tool not as the systems but as a tool they can hand the tool and they've already handed the tool off to the developers in montreal who are now starting to cut their teeth on it they're starting Mm -hmm. to learn okay so how does this do how does this work how does this work and uh we're going to reach the top of that they're going to hire the people that they need to and they're going to start putting out content faster than you can it'll make all of our heads spin because we're so used to the snail pace to this point yeah that when they really start utilizing to the tools that have taken this long amount of time to build, we're, we're, it's gonna, it's really gonna shock people how fast it happens. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something real quick, and we're, we're going to wrap up the show here with some predictions. Uh, but I want to go back to something that Unique and I shared a little while ago when we were talking about how long we thought this would take. Uh, and when when Unique told me right off the bat, he said ten years. Uh, for me, Star Citizen, the, the, the Persistent Universe, I saw 10 years. Now, that's coming from a guy who's been, unlike that guy who did the video earlier who said he's been in games for 20 years, I've been in them for 40 years. Perfect. And for me to sit and say, and try to and try to take my experiences of watching video games progression, the change from, you know, <laughs> man, to go from the days of... Uh, Man, I can't even think of what the name of the first video game was I played, but it was a, it was a computer game. This was back when we were using punch cards. Uh, you know, just you know, back from when we used to use asterisks and symbols to make graphics on a screen to Pong. where to where we are now. Yeah, you can go into Pong. I mean, even before Pong, you know what I mean? Uh, from from text, remember text stories, text games like Zork, right? I mean, yep. to have gone through the history of Adventure. all of that, yeah, to this place to where we are now. Um, and, and, and to hear this dynamic of that we're waiting, you know, yeah, it's frustrating. Waiting can be very frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, I always feel like as long as we see progress, as long as we see the innovations happening, for me, I can ride through that wave. Uh, I honestly believe that we're going to be seeing uh, things, as you just mentioned, Uber Nerd, I believe just what you said, that we are at that crest right now because we've seen them working on tools for a while. We've seen what the tools can do now. And now I think we're gonna start seeing some things move forward. So let's take that thought and move into our final phase. Whoops, I want to see him. Let's just go into our final thought, which is predictions. Okay, um, these are just our predictions, guys. Don't write them in stone. I'm just kind of getting a feel from what everybody on the panel thinks. They're going to pick some dates, and you all can put yours in the chat. We would love to see what you all think in the chat when we talk about this. So what this. are you asking? I'm going to tell you. Wait a minute. I'm trying okay. to get, the, I'm trying to get the, the folks in chat together. So we want to hear from them, too. Oh, right. tell us immediately. Damn it. We demand it. We demand it now. Faster, faster. Okay, okay. slow down. I can't keep up. All right. Up. So first question. First question. Here we go. When do you think Squadron 42, we will see a trailer? A trailer. Let me go with Unique first. Unique, when will we maybe see a trailer? Okay. Well, you know what? Let me ask you this. Uh, let me ask the two developer guys this, Nerd and, and Unique. Which one's first, the trailer or the beta? Oh, trailer. Oh, the trailer. Trailer. Okay. All right. So I'm on, I'm on track then. All right. So unique. 
when do you think we may see a trailer for Squadron 42 based on what you see going I on? I feel right from what I see going on, I think you might see it first quarter 2023. First quarter a trailer for Squadron? First yeah. quarter 2023. Okay. okay. Uh, That's U- my vote. Uber Nerd, let me go to you. When do you think we'll see the trailer for Squadron 42? Uh, this uh, fourth quarter this year. Woo! Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter trailer, 2021 trailer means about a year before release, right? 2021. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Colossal. When do you think we might see a trailer? The Uber nerd is, is, is quite nice on that. And I think he's right. I'm going to give a different view. I would say second quarter, 2022. Second quarter, 2022. Fast cart. What about you? I would say quarter three, quarter four, 2022. Uh, it's interesting. Con 2022. That's what I want to say. Okay, Citizen Con twenty twenty. Okay, forty two. Okay, all right. Um, okay, fair enough. Uh, next tough question. Uh, well, let, me, let me go. Let me go back to. Let me go back to Uber Nerd and Unique first. If you fast card class, if you guys want to answer on this, feel free. Do you think that there will be a beta? And if it is, will it be closed? Because I know they don't want stuff to get out about Squadron forty two. Unique, let me oh. ask you. Will there be a beta that's closed? Uh, I or, think there's... there'll be a very closed beta. And Colossal will probably be on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so, so, and, okay. So, when do you think that beta would happen for Squadron Forty Two? I think the beta is possibly going to be in third quarter, twenty twenty two. Okay, third quarter, twenty twenty two. Okay, so a year I from now, we'll have year. it before they release the thing. I mean, for a closed beta. Okay, for a closed beta. Okay. You know? Okay. So that they know that they can actually be on the path to release something. Okay. Ubernur, what about you? Beta. So I think that they will probably have a, so they won't have a beta that involves backers. They will have okay. a beta, and this is, they've been building up their, uh, they've been building up their QA team for a long time. They have a very competent and very capable QA. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is important that the QA cannot be expected to do all the testing for, um, uh, for Star Citizen, but they definitely can focus in because Star Citizen is so much broader, so much more space to test, so much more things that can, you know, be completely missed by the QA. But in a more linear type of game, which Squadron Forty Two is, single player uh, storyline progressions through what they've kind of they guide. It's a guided. It's guided rather than just open world sandbox go anywhere. Uh, that's going to be all QA. There's going to be no backers doing the beta. Mm-hmm beta testing for that um and when do i think that that's going to happen probably sometime maybe starting in the uh third quarter which is basically july of uh 2022 2022 okay all right colossal what about you well i mean if they come out if i'm saying if i stick with what i'm saying here and they come out with a trailer of second quarter and by the mean i mean the end of second quarter beginning of third 2022 then I'm going to expect a beta around fourth quarter of 2022 into first quarter. Okay. Okay. So 2023. Okay. Okay. FC. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very, very close beta. And I'm expecting quarter one, 2023. Mm. After. Yeah. After. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. And, la- and last but not least, when do you think there will be a Quadrant 42 release. Ooh. Bye. Bye when. 
by win, not win, by win. Unique. I win. Mm -hmm. uh, well, if they don't have any more epiphanies, well, you know, <laughs> um, like the sun needs to wobble or something like that. It's a new tech portrayed. I, I think you're getting it in 2023. Okay. Maybe like Christmas time. Mm, okay. Okay. Uber nerd. I think it's Christmas 2022. Ooh. Mm. Wow. That's a really, that would be my. Uh... Wow. Okay. Colossal. Well, I mean, well, the reason why I'm confident about the confident about the bug smashing is mm. that they've been doing it for a long time in Squadron, and mm. a lot of the bugs that normally would escape their, you know, their view have been found in Star Citizen, mm. and they share a lot of common. Mm. There's a lot of common assets that are shared, so a lot of bugs that may not have been found in a normal uh, single player game have already been found. Mm. Okay. Okay. Colossal? That's why I'm yeah. uh, optimistic on that. Cool. Colossal? Yeah, I'm going to stick with 2022 fourth quarter, 2023 first quarter. Mm, okay. And fast card? Well, we synchronize at the end, Colossal, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm waffling between quarter, well, like CitizenCon 2023 and CitizenCon 2024. I think the earliest 20 is CitizenCon 2023. 2023, 2023. CitizenCon. I'm always based on CitizenCon. Really? CitizenCon 2023? Yeah. Oh, That's what, third quarter? Wow, third, third, third quarter. quarter. Yeah, the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter of 2023, he's saying. Wow. Yep, fourth okay. quarter of 2023. Okay. okay, all right. Yeah, it starts uh, in October, so. Okay. Um, I'm going to say trailer. You know, it's kind of weird because it, it used to, I don't know whether or not things like the industry stuff it means anything anymore, like E3 or anything to them. So I'm going to say trailer in 2022. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to say trailer 2022, uh, Citizen Connish time, uh, if not E3. And then um, I'm going to say uh, the game will be out. See, I've, I've always said 10 years is a push for them. So I'm going to give them till 2023 20, first quarter, Christmas time, first quarter. Something like that. That's going to be my shot for it. Okay. Um, I know we had a lot of folks who tossed in some stuff. Papa Doc says December 2022 uh, to compete with Starfield. That would be interesting, right? We even talked about whether or not there would be any competition with Starfield coming out from Bethesda because that's their first entry into this whole space genre thing. So uh, we actually um, talked about that a little bit. My guess is Starfield is going to get pushed back. You think so? You think it's, you think it's going to get pushed back again? Where they yeah. gave us nothing in the two trailers. Yeah. They gave us a I, I trailer that, that had uh, nothing he, and another trailer that had very little to nothing. So I, I mean, agree it, with Fastcart. It, I think it'll get pushed back. And I think it'll get pushed back because I think that every developer looks at what other developers are doing and mm -hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, we could do that. And then they get <laughs> into the weeds and they realize, oh, crap, I didn't realize. Oh, you know, I mean, everybody I mean, is Pollyanna when yeah. they start. Yeah. And then they turn into, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and this is Bethesda, right? Yes, Bethesda. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this is Bethesda. I'm tell they to go back to their previous mistakes that they made prior to Starfield. So I'm gonna tell Bethesda right now that if they I mean, push this it is back, first, this they're is opening a window for their. Hang on, fast card. Hold up. What do you say? What do you say? You need. I said if Bethesda pushes it back, they're opening the window for Derek Smart to come back. In. <laughs> <laughs> 
Line of defense. There's lots and lots of talent there. No, I was gonna say that. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Um, that this is the first new IP in 25 years, correct? Mm, yeah. That's what they. That's what they. That's yep, what they that's said. So, mm -hmm. so they don't want. I mean, unless the producers and whatever um, distributor uh, get get their grubby little hands on it and mm -hmm. say, "Oh, you guys put it out by this time." It, you know, the, the, I think they're going to try to try, try, try to get it as best as possible before mm -hmm. release. Okay. All right. Well, the last slide I have up here is the, the infamous one that we've heard before. It's ready when it's ready. And uh, I know it's not an easy pill to swallow, but it is a true reality of what uh, CIG has said. Not just CIG, other folks have said it too when it comes to game development. Ubernerd, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, mm -hmm. I have a prediction of when we're going to see Star Citizen beta. That was going to be my next question to ask about because that's what that's why this was tied in. What do you think about that? I'm I'm saying uh, first quarter it will start in first quarter of 2023. That okay, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. Unique. What about you, Star Citizen? Oh, Persistent Universe Beta. I think it won't be far behind Star Citizen or mm. Squadron 42. Sorry. Mm. Okay, Colossal. Yeah, I I originally gave it two years behind Squadron 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Squadron 42 come out, it'll be two years for uh, Star Citizen, mm -hmm. um, but it could be a year and a half. So, I mean, if Squadron 42 came out in 2022, 2023, mm -hmm. you'll probably see Star Citizen come out or at least be talked about around either Gamescom or E3. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fast card. Same year. Mm -hmm. So, so Colossal got me, got me waffling now because I was going to say 2024, but um, okay, it's going to be soon after Squad 42. I, I agree with that. So maybe hmm, quarter two, 2024. Remember what Chris Roberts, the qualifiers that he said about what would they need to uh, consider being uh, going into beta for, mm -hmm. uh, for uh, Star Citizen? Refresh our memory. What was it? Yeah. Five to 10 systems. Hmm. They don't have to have a lot of systems. Just mm, to go into beta, yeah. Mm -hmm. It has to be pretty close because when you're done playing Squadron 42, you're supposed oh, to go yeah, into, into the, the Persistent PT, Universe. Into yeah. Persistent Universe. So yeah. it can't yeah. be two years later because it's only going to take five weeks to play Squadron 42. Yeah, yep. it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be something doable to go in there, workable. Yeah. Okay. Those are good points. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you all so much for today's show. We had a man. You guys hit it, hit, knocked it out the park. A lot of information we shared with everybody. Chat, you guys shared a lot of good stuff too. I'm um, sorry we couldn't read it all because there was so much going on. We do have some questions. So let's try to hit a couple of these while we can and uh, see if we can, our panels can answer some of them. Uh, let's see. Uh, does the dependency on iCache server meshing one of the main causes of the delays? Is the dependency of that? The answer to that is wholeheartedly Kind of yes. yes. <laughs> now, and, yes and the reason no, I'm saying kind of yes, so. right? Kind of some. The yeah. reason I'm saying is that we want to make sure we just, just distinguish the difference between Squadron Forty Two, where that's not so much of an issue with that, versus the Persistent Universe, where it is oh, a major okay. issue with that. And so, even though we, what you haven't seen is the expansion of the Persistent Universe because of that, the uh, going into the other systems and things of that nature. They've they've told us many a time that Stanton and the servers are really packed right now. And, and and you saw them pull Levski out. That was an example of that because we have got Horizon in. But in order for us to really increase our server loads, you know, the amount of people playing the game, inventory, 
those things have to happen, but they affect the persistent so I think, universe. Go I ahead, think there ahead. are a couple things. First of all, a lot of people don't understand what a client-server relationship is, and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand that in the single-player game, there is going to be a client-server relationship within that game that is it, it, it parallels in some ways the client-server relationship yes. that we have mm -hmm. in Star Citizen. The only difference is is that the uh, the the delay between communication between server and client is damn near instantaneous mm -hmm. on your when it's all on a single PC. Uh, second of all, people don't understand that it is you know Squadron Forty Two is also going to be utilizing Vulcan, the Vulcan API, of right. which they are currently implementing. So mm -hmm. that is another thing that is all about you know they're, yep. they're, I mean they're developing the game at the same time they're implementing <laughs> a brand new API. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, as soon as it's done and functioning and de you know, and mostly debugged and all that other stuff, I mean, iCache, they've already taken the, the they're trying to take the terminology of iCache out mm -hmm. just because it's a little misleading because mm -hmm. it's not yeah. just a single, it's it's not like that, here's the iCache code, uh, they're right they're there. All, no, no, they're no, always it's a whole bunch of different blocks well, of code that work names, together yeah. to do mm -hmm. a particular type of task. So it's, it's more complex than yep. just saying iCache or just server meshing. Right. I, I still remember Grabby Hands when Grabby Hands was the thing. They, 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 then they said, "Oh, Grabby Hands are, are, are always the game. We just don't call it that anymore." Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. All right. Next question: Are you going to put your starships in your will seriously? Fast card. Yeah, I probably, I probably should. I have to, like, especially my Endeavor or my Bandy Merchantman. Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to. Maybe I can go online and, and get one of those um web uh, web lawyers or web wheel to 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 work out for me. I don't know if that 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 account, but I I I I I, I do that and then submit a ticket into into CIG and say uh, this if anything happens to me, this is what I want to, to be done. Okay. Colossal, what about you? I have yes, Mio. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't given that much thought to it yet. You still are you're young and you're know. prime. You ain't got the gray hair like us old dudes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like those Skeksis. We shall live forever. So I, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I don't know, man. Uber nerd, know. what about you? I don't think my daughter would truly appreciate it. But, uh... <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe. I mean, I'll of course, if, you know, it. she'll get my account, but yeah, yeah, unique. Like she'll care. Unique. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, I got three daughters, but two of them are married. Mm. They'll go to the son-in-laws. They both play. So yeah. Okay. I'm really worried that they're plotting I against me. Might murder <laughs> me in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have I have informed my family of the value in those ships, and if something happens to me, don't just dismiss it as nothing. You know, try to put those bad fellas on eBay or someplace or someplace and sell them. I don't know, but I I have informed them that if something happens to me, that there's value there. Okay, next question: Do you think some of the impatience is because for younger backers, seven to ten years feels a lot longer than us older folk? That's from Black Intellect. Hey, who are you calling old? <laughs> who are you calling old? That's from black. That's from Black Intellect. That's what he's asking. You know. <laughs> so I don't know. What, what do you all think? Um, do you think that there is an impatience from the younger backers? And I'm not sure what younger falls into because I'm not sure how old Black Intellect is. I know I'm in my fifties, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. If it, is, is it based on? Well, let me ask you this: Is it based on? Like, let me ask you this. Is there a fallacy to believe that people who have a lot of money invested in it are much more less patient because they've put more money into it? Or is it just, or are the people who've only paid $45 less patient? 
or or more patient? I don't know what you guys think. Is there a certain demographic you think is, or do you think it's just gamers in general? What what do you all think? Anybody can answer that who wants to. I think the gamers in general, but I I, I wanted I wanted to to to, to, to tell a story. Like there there are some in 2012 in October 2012. Imagine being 12 years old and 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 and, and getting a parent to, to back the game. When 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 on the original Kickstarter it said it's going to be out in 2014. That's only two years, so you'll be 14 years old. Ten years later, that 12 years old is now 22, and the, and, and the game is still out. It's it, it's almost half his life that he's been waiting for, for this game. So yes, I I, I would see someone being being impatient for. for, for that would be their that would be their perspective is that like literally i've spent half my life you know okay i got you colossal what do you think uh you got any thoughts on that or uber nerd or unique either one of you all think about that you think i mean is fast cards example probably a valid example of some people who might feel that way i mean it could be but you would think that a 12 year old that's that's going to be 22 right now would at least be embedded in college to where they won't have to worry about this that's the that's so, the educator talking to y'all by the way that's the right, educator that, yeah, <laughs> if, if an old guy like me was going to be impatient it would be the idea that young people need to get out and vote compared to old uh, people. so here's the thing right uh, instant gratification does i mm. think in, in in this new information age mm-hmm. where information is at your fingertips mm-hmm. You, anything you want to know, mm-hmm. pretty much you can find out like almost instantaneously. Uh, you know, people don't have to wait for things anymore. Do you ever wonder why when you get a series that comes out, they, they're no longer releasing one episode a week. They release the damn season. Right, right. And then yeah, binge it. yeah. There's a reason yeah, for that. Yeah. It's also part of the reason that goes into people's impatience uh, for having to wait for Star Citizen and yeah. we're having to, you know, I don't want to wait for them. I want yeah, all season at once. Yeah. Well, there's a big negative to all that too. So we have somebody at work and uh, her nickname is Gigi, not RGG, obviously. Oh. Uh, it stands for Google Girl. This child doesn't know anything without talking to Google. Google. We got into talking about uh what was it uh survival techniques and stuff like that mm-hmm. she didn't understand what we were talking about and then jokingly somebody said what are you gonna do when the zombies come mm-hmm. and she goes well i'll just look it up on google <laughs> go look it up on google on what to do when the world's going to hell yeah. Oh, okay yeah I, you know no concept that the internet wasn't going to be there, be there yeah yeah there's right. a nuclear strike but it's always because like, it's always been there yeah yeah, yeah. it's always been it's there, always like, been wow. there. Yeah. so she got Tagged yeah. as Gigi. Yeah, we, we, yeah. We, we've had a little bit of conversation about this before, and I don't know if it's any, I don't think it's necessarily based on age, but as I do think that there is a dynamic, a little bit more to what Ubernerd was saying about the psyche of gamers now and the way we've been trained unconsciously or consciously to how games are produced, how they come out, right? Because as I mentioned earlier, Ubernerd, you were talking about the series of movies, right? How you just get this one big launch of all this stuff at one time. Like, I know, like, when, when I was watching The Mandalorian and it's like the season, you got to wait a year, a year. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's how I felt, right? You know, but there are some folks who will say, I don't want to watch it every week. I'll wait till the whole thing is out and watch them all at one time, right? Because yeah. they want that immediate being able to keep everything going. And that's, And I get it. But in games, what is it? Um, endorphin rush or something, right. something like that, right? But, they but, they just get that. Yeah, the rush for it, right? But in gaming, there is something that gets us used to when we play a game. 
if we see it at E3, we do expect it to see it in like a year or two years, right? Or if you're playing a certain franchise, like let's say I'm just using Call of Duty, for example, we're used to them churning out games every certain <laughs> frequency. Yeah, I know, duty, I said duty. Um, but I'm just saying that kind of has right, like, affected our psyche. <laughs> yeah, that has kind of affected our psyche for what we want or our expectations. So when you start talking about waiting 10 years for something, that's way outside of what you know most gamers have had to deal with. Let's get these last couple of questions out the way. Do you think video games are redefining gender norms? Specifically, boys are playing house and dressing up in their characters. Jaja. Hmm. I don't know, Jaja. I can speak on that from my angle. I play a female character a lot in the game. I don't necessarily know that it's about gender norms as much as it is. I think in some way, I'm kind of like a. I'm kind of like a person that likes to break outside of like the assumption that the male characters are always. Uh, the ones that have to take the lead on something. And so I deliberately play a female character. Actually, well, the, my partners here know that I play both a male and female character, a brother and sister team. And that came from my days of Eve, where they were a brother and sister team. They worked, they had their own corporation and business. And I kind of saw them as equals in what they did. And so when I came into Star Citizen, I actually uh, started playing a female character first, just because I was tired of looking at all guys running around. I didn't want to be in a universe where all men were running around all the time. So I played a female character, but that was my personal thing. I don't know if I took it as a, 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 a some type of statement per se, as much as it was in a way, I guess it was, you know, when you think about it, uh, but that was just the way I did. But I don't know if anybody else on here wants to comment about that. Fast cart. Yeah. For, for me, it's like, for me, I usually play it as a guy until like maybe Four years ago, like um, I I I played. I, I'm the one. I'm one of the people who actually got Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so feel bad for me. But I I I, I went to the game as as as, as, as the brother, mm-hmm. the, uh, not, not brother with an A, but you know ER brother. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the game as a sister, and I I game I, I enjoyed the game more for playing as a sister because it felt to me like the the voice actors perform better. And I enjoy, and that made me enjoy the game more, yeah. or playing it that way. And then when Mass Effect Legendary um, came out, I played as Femtep, because I went to the game as Mailtep before, so I wanted to try something different, and I mean, I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And this time I'm playing on Final Fantasy fourteen. I played, I started like two weeks, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I made two characters. It took me twenty minutes to make a female character, fifteen minutes to to, to make a male character. And I, when I, when I was comparing them two, it was like the female character. I I, I thought one looked better, and and two represented me, me better because I couldn't get the I couldn't get the haircut right on on, on a male character. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it's not for me about redefining gender norms. It's about I, I I enjoy what, what, what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Plus, so I was going to say, oh, I was going to say about this that um, I am not a pilot mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. I am not a, a tank commander, mm-hmm. uh, or I am not a. Uh, I I don't exist nine hundred years in the future. I don't exist in a fantasy world where there's magic and wizards and fairies <laughs> and goblins and dragons, and so. If I'm a wizard, what's the difference between being a wizard and playing a female character? I mean, mm-hmm. the, it, it's, you know, it is make-believe. We are playing video games. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I am playing, you know, um, uh, Far Cry or if I am playing, uh, you know, the, um, uh, what is it with the, with the uh, Lara Croft's, ser- you know, oh, series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I, I did, to me, it doesn't. These are video games. If the games are fun, if the characters are fun to play, then it's all about this imaginary world that I'm existing in. I'm not injecting myself into there, and I don't identify. I'm. I mean, I don't identify as a video game character. I, what I do is enjoy all the different play styles and all the different animations and all the different things that come with all these different characters. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I you know, yep. so that's to me, that's what it is, is that we as gamers, we want to experience the game from all these different perspectives. And if you just played a male character, you couldn't. Yeah, I know when I played Dragon Age, Depending on how you played a male or female character, the dialogue and everything changed the game. I'm not just talking about like the he, him, or her, she. I'm talking about the actual reactions were a little bit different in the way things responded. So, so I played one way the first time, then I wanted to see, oh, let's play it this way and see how it is. And that was kind of cool to see some differences in gameplay to your point, Uber Nerd. Unique, what about you? Is there anything you want to throw in on that? I have a long, drawn out thought. Uh, women, so my characters are women. Mm. That's it. Okay. Okay, cool. All right, good question. All right, and our last question. Are we going to see Linux, <laughs> a Linux release, a Linux release, uh, as as was promised in the Kickstarter uh, back for Squadron 42, uh, Star Citizen, or both? What do you guys think about that as far as Linux? Will that be a thing or is something that will come later uh, once they get things locked down uh, in the Windows uh, uh, operating system? Any thoughts on that? I was just going to say Vulcan is has to be completely done, debugged and all that stuff. And after that's done, then other platforms will be uh, relatively simple compared to like what DirectX 11 would require them to do. So mm -hmm. Vulcan being the, the new API that will be the underpinning or the underlying API for both Squadron 42 and Star Citizen means that playing it on other systems will be a lot easier. And uh, according to somebody I saw post in chat that a developer from CIG has already Already said yes they are going to do that but again like i said there are things that have to be done first vulcan is one of those mm. good point okay all right cool all right well thank you that's all of our questions uh wow we are pushing on to two and a half hour mark um but we're gonna go ahead and give you guys some real quick information fast would you uh give everybody a little update regarding the upcoming bar citizen please uh, it's still on August 14th, it's still at 3 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. UTC, uh, but we have a new sponsor, uh, the Acropub, uh, I, I, I don't know, I'm next, it was, uh, when did Acropub join up? It was last week or mm, Like last week or week, it was last week when I was, was I on the show last week? Whatever week I was on there, he confirmed that, yeah, he definitely helped out whatever way he could, so yes. Okay. He's on board with so, us. Yes, uh, so yes, so we call it an international bar citizen because it's not just for not just for American. Um, so yeah, we want uh, as many people as we can, get, and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And Ubernerd, I hope you hope you'll be coming. Uh, well, I'll I'll check out the link and the time and all that other stuff. So yeah, no problem. But it's a Saturday, so if, and it was like five hours long. So if you're not streaming, we'd love to have you, especially if you're not tied up with family or anything like that. That would be very very cool. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Is there anything else, Fast Card? I'm missing. No, Is that it. Pretty no, much. I think that's it. I think I pretty much hit everything. Okay. We want to thank yeah. uh, our guest today, UberNerd. UberNerd, thank you so, so, so much for finding the time. We know you're normally streaming. In fact, you normally bless us with your raids. So we you bless us with your presence today, your knowledge, your information, dude. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, it's a unique, colossal, fast card as always. We appreciate you guys. Don't forget Thursdays. 
uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern. We do Soul Talk. That's our community talk show where you guys can come in and talk to us directly. So make sure that you guys uh, put that on your calendar because we love hearing from you guys and getting your thoughts on Star Citizen. Also, next Sunday, another special show. We're doing an evening with Relay. Many of you guys know the folks over at Relay. Back in the day, they used to be called INN. Uh, they have been around forever, and we've known them forever, and they influenced us as well. And uh, they, they basically presented the news of Star Citizen, and they're still on, and we're going to have them on with us. Hopefully, the bulk of their team will be on with us. And so there may be four of them and four of us, or two of no, I think it's two of us and four of them, something like that. We'll see. But uh, we're really looking forward to hanging out with them next week and get some and get some great dialogue and discussion about Star, Star Citizen from them. So we really appreciate that. In the meantime, we are going to set up a raid, and I think today we're going to raid our good friend, Red Lear. You guys know Red Lear. Uh, we're going to send some love his way. Uh, you guys make sure. Um, let me see. I, gotta, I guess I got to type the word raid first, right, before I send it out. Um, send him some love. Let him know you came over from the Soul Citizens. If you've never watched Red Lear before, take, a, take a, some time to watch him. If you dig what he's doing, make sure you follow him and, again, send the love to him. As always, we want to tell you guys peace, love, and soul, and we'll see you guys real soon. Take care. Have a good night. Tell Red Lear, watch out!